Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Tubs on a rack behind, and I said, let me get that tub of Stoker's Mint. And she's like, all right. And she scans it. She wouldn't scan. She scans every other tub she's got on the rack. They won't scan. And she's like, does $6 sound right to you? I said, yes, ma'am. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take all you. I'll be back in an hour. Oh, yeah. You yeah. tell me. Well, I was the next one in line. I said, got another tub of that Stoker's Mint? She says, no. <laughs> I even went back. I went back when we were there for the youth weekend and tried to buy some there. Jordan's like, let me walk in there. I said, I'm going first this time. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't have any then either. Got the last. (laughs) We keep keep selling out in a hurry. Can't figure out why. Oh, they got every other flavor of Stoker's in there except for the mint in the tub. God dang. I went up for Thanksgiving and somebody had said something about, Jordan, you lost your can of Copenhagen. I was like, I don't dip Copenhagen, but I don't know where my can of Stoker's is. So maybe they just call it Copenhagen. And then they come out with a can of Copenhagen wintergreen. And I'm like, that's not mine. And they're like, do you want it? And I was like, not really. I'm not a huge fan of wintergreen. And they were like, it's unopened. And I'm like, yep, yes, I want it. Sure. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> the price is right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's untampered with. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no had nobody else's grimy fingers. Who is, who is it? Is it you that would lick your fingers? Yeah. Yeah. You, you do. You showed you... me that. I don't. I never licked my fingers. You you were definitely the one. Maybe it was somebody in the it army. It was somebody sure. else because I didn't do that. Slobber him up real good before you get to the snuff He's like, hey, let me get a dip. He go. I'm like, what are you doing? But everything I'm touching, I'm putting it in my mouth. <laughs> but you got to You have to. You have to make it, it understand though. You're you're he's you're the heat dipping snuff. Mm-hmm. So if you get a little, just lick your fingers like you were licking an envelope. Right. I'm mm-hmm. not talking like stick them in there and get them in your mouth and get them good and wet. But you do that, you get a a better pinch of snuff that way. Like okay. you're fixing to count money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like that. I'm not in there like trying to hawk a <laughs> into the can and pull that out of there, you know? <laughs> oh, Jim, did you watch that video around? I started to. Uh I was busy and I could man, I could I was really struggling with the opening music at first. So it was it was great now me. And then uh and then the phone rang, and I was like, I'll get back to that later. So I've not watched it. Yeah, you got to use that uh, free YouTube music. Yeah. 
Hey, unless you want to pay and believe it or not, I'm not. I would much rather throw country music in there, but for some reason, the hip hop pops better on the interwebs than country music. I realize at 52 that what I can tolerate is music is different. (laughs) You know. Yeah, I don't know if we threw like some BB King or Hank Senior. It's me. People yeah. probably didn't even realize who Hank Sr. is if you put that on YouTube, unless somebody was specifically searching for Hank Williams Sr. I'd know who I had somebody. I understand that. <laughs> I, I, I replied back to a kid's text, 10-4, and they were like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I didn't think that was an old person thing. That was yeah. Look, when I, when I worked at Kone, that was a regular Sorry. thing. No, you're like you'd get a group message from like the supervisor or whatever, and everybody come back ten four, ten four, ten four, like the whole company did that. Yeah, yeah, but like the, I'm fifty two. I mean, ten four was, I, well, I, I just kind of assume they still use. I mean, they don't, you don't use ten codes like they used to, I guess, in a lot of places. But yeah, but you you were that's like that's like saying okay and not knowing what okay means. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you were you were lived in the heyday of the CB radio. Yeah, when when the convoy. atmosphere was right, well, not even convoy, but the CBs became super popular because of solar flare that allowed you to talk forever on the ten meter band, a, a long Smoking ways on two watts. Yeah, like they worked really well, and then that passed, and now they're not as great as they used to be. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, natural. So everybody uses like marine radios now. Yeah, FMs, the GMRS, same thing. Yeah, same. Well, yeah, pretty much same bandwidth. But you can talk a lot further. That was it's. It, I don't know, say say it's becoming the new CB. <clears throat> there was a time when you had to have a license to operate it on CB. Yeah, but they give you, they would assign you a call sign. When Jim talks about ten codes, I can't help but think about like every time we go to Ludawissi and they try to use a phonetic alphabet. Oh, that's <clears> hilarious! They're like coffee, Bobby, call. I got up there to Alabama and realized I forgot to program the <laughs> local PD or whatever it was into my. Oh, radio yeah. and bring it with me. <laughs> we were listening to the neighbor listen to a police scanner or something one night. And we're up there. It's like, I got to remember to program that into my walkie talkie and bring it up here <laughs> so that I can listen to. It's like up there in Southeast Georgia. Allen will go up there and turn on the scanner and they're like, Hey, Janine's off in the trailer park again. Like <laughs> <laughs> whiskey tango foxtrot. Yeah. yeah. Not it's, it, that's that's too correct. Yeah, on the phonetic alphabet. Whiskey, whiskey tanger. No, they're no, like, no, no, no. They <laughs> used the wrong. You'd be like yeah. William be like, Tangerine. Toilet. <laughs> yeah, uh, William Toilet February. <laughs> oh man, you guys go to Ludowicki, you said? Yeah, Ludowicki. Ludowicki. Yeah. I think that's we have a uh, place we hunt in Jessup, just outside of Jessup. I think it's pretty close. Oh, it's very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Depending on where you're at in, in Ludowicy, but yeah, Jessup's not. not yeah, y'all hunted. That was where y'all's lease was, was in Jessup, wasn't it? Or? Ludowicy. No. Was it? Yeah. Is this in Alabama? No, this is in yeah. Southeast Georgia. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I know Jessup. I know, I'm very familiar with Jessup, Georgia. Speaking of Ludowicy and Ludowicy. Jessup and Southeast Georgia. It's just a little further north of there? North? Right? Yeah, I think Ludowicy's just a little north, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of all that, we've got a small game hunt coming up. In Townsend Wildlife <clears throat> Management Area, which is right outside Ludowicy, Georgia. Probably 
technically still Ludowisi or some tiny small town that nobody really knows where it's at. But that'd be your closest. Yeah. Big town. They got a police department. Put it that They're way. They're a big town. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Georgia. Everybody's got a police department. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's the revenue state. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, no, I don't know if Ludowisi has a police department. I know, that, well, Long County, mm-hmm. which is where it's at in Georgia, Long County, Georgia. But we'll be up there doing our small game camp because uh, that's a multi-day event. We'll go up there and stay and camp out and hunt ducks and hunt squirrels. We'll be there from, what, uh, 29th to the 1st? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Coming up, well, 29th be, I think the 1st is a Monday this year. So 29th is a, is a Saturday. 30th is a Sunday. The 1st is a Monday. So I'll, I'll be, be there, there from the 28th. Yeah. I'll be there the evening of the 28th. <clears throat> Set up camp and whatever else. Hunt Saturday, Sunday, probably Monday morning, drive home. It's going to be a fun one. Hopefully. They've been getting a lot of water, though. Is their water level still staying? No. From what I understand, I, I mean, I could pull it up. Well, it ain't bad. Pull it up, but yeah. uh, you're looking at the uh, Altamaha River at Doctortown. Yeah. it's How, how did you pronounce that? I was there last weekend. Altamaha. Altamaha? Altamaha. 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 Altamaha, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said it just like yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah. The Altamaha River. Altamaha. At Doctortown. There you go. Right there. It's the number one suggestion. Now, open up that National Weather Service water.gov uh, right there. There it goes. So, right now, it's at five feet. Oh, yeah. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. That's real low. <clears throat> Yeah, you get a, another uh, 10, 5 feet to go before it gets to action stage, which... Flood stage is 12 feet. Yeah. Where, where were we at that one year, 13? 13 or 14 feet. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. the water's not bad up there right now. It was bad a month ago, a month and a half ago. But was the it? woods and stuff aren't bad at all right now. Yeah. I'd like to... That we, we, so I lived up there in Allenhurst, and I used to hunt that WMA for ducks and squirrels and stuff all the time. And I've seen it where it's, you know, it'd be 14, 15 feet up over the banks. <laughs> but duck hunting gets pretty pretty fun in there. Yeah. But not nearly as fun as a squirrel hunting when the water gets that high because the squirrels ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is what I'm looking forward to. But even when the water was, that's probably about where the water was last year when we were there. Maybe a little yeah. bit higher. But you uh, you still get enough water around the edge of the lake where you can't get to some can't get across some roads. Like you got to be at two feet, which which means at at five feet now, it'll probably close off that road that leads you to the the other boat ramp on the lake. Yep. It'll flood it. They'll shut the gate, <clears throat> and then you'll uh, have to put in in the campground. But that'll flood enough to where you can get in the timber on the south end of the lake. It's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. For I sure. hope so. Hope I make it. Oh, show. My better half, my better half's making noises already. About maybe Arizona. We'll see. Good lord! So Jesus, you just went to Alaska. Alaska's nice. I like to travel. So, but <clears throat> since my wife lets me travel pretty much wherever I want to go, when she says she wants to go, there's no well. Well, here's I, the thing, Jim. You tell her Arizona's fine, but you got to round it out. Okay, this year you're going to visit every state that starts with an A, and the next stop is Arkansas during snow goose season. <laughs> go, I'm going there in February. Is this. See, there you go. 
<laughs> going up with Joey Lyon and Todd Duncan, maybe Roman Hammes and Webb Sharpia. Uh, we'll see. If y'all want to go, man, let me know. Those oh, conservation man. hunts look fun. Yeah, I have no interest. In, not not right now. <laughs> not right. The, the shells. Alone. Right. The yeah. shells. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, man. You, you hope. But sometimes if you end up with a strong wind out of the south and and it's warm. Yeah, I mean, I understand. You're, you're watching thousands of geese up there flying with the airliners going. I wish. I get, I get that, but you have to plan for the best. Hope you you plan, hope, hope for the best, and plan accordingly. And you can't return shells once you bought them. And I'm still shooting the same boxes, dang, same like four or five boxes of shells I've been shooting <clears throat> the last three years. Yeah, I, I have a <laughs> lifetime supply of steel shot if I go I, buy enough to go to. I got that. a. Uh, there's a gentleman, JJ, that's been uh, he messaged, he posted in the group about. Uh, like hunting in Florida because he just moved from South Carolina, and so we we he added me as friends. We've been messaging back and forth. He shot a shot a buck the other day, but then it ran into a neighborhood, and the people in the neighborhood wouldn't let him track it through the neighborhood because they're mad that he shot their quote unquote pet deer. Uh, but he messaged me today, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna come to that small game hunt." He's like, "What shells do I need to buy for your shotgun?" And I was like, "Oh, you can." Whatever, if you want to buy the cheapest game loads at Walmart, or I don't even know if Walmart still sells ammo, but if you want to buy the cheapest target loads you can, that's fine. It'll run them. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then uh, I said, well, I'm bringing my 20 gauge, and I just shoot an assortment of whatever I've collected over the years. (laughs) (laughs) I just have like a bed sheet bag that has a piss load of shotgun shells in it that I throw in the backpack and... He says, "Ooh, that was a three inch." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got, I got a uh, thing of twelve gauge like that. You just got to make sure you have a separate bed sheet bag for your twenty gauge and, and your, your twelve gauge. gauge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to keep my duck shells in boxes, all nice and neat, twenty five rounds to box. But you know, you always end up half boxed or but whatever, or worse, you like take two shells out of a box and they all get mixed up. So. When we bought that boss ammo, they gave us a leather satchel. But now, my, when I look in that leather satchel, it's just like that, man. It's like, it's like kind of like Christmas. You don't know where Easter is. <laughs> Orange ones, blue ones, red ones. Like, Fives, you, twos, three you, and a half. If you like keeping your stuff in a box, and I like, I bought them for, for duck hunt specifically. I have <clears throat> little plastic uh, shell boxes that I keep mine in because... They're not watertight by any means, but I can set them down on the bottom of a wet boat instead of a cardboard box, and it, it doesn't ruin the box. Nope. Right. That's what's nice about that bag from Ball Shells. Yeah. Is it's a wax canvas. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't water doesn't get inside of it. Yeah. As long as you also keep rewaxing that canvas year after year. Yeah. You get another case. You get another bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, I've got now, a shell. I got a shell sitting out of my boat right now that, um, it's blue. I don't even know who made it, right? Rio. Rio. Okay, so I'm I'm I was rinsing out my boat after the split and all of a sudden it kinda came I guess the water it came trickling out the out the back of the boat because it was stuck up underneath the underneath the platform. And it's got a little rust around the end of it, but I'm like, man, I don't run it. 
I don't know how long that's been in here, but I'm I'm definitely gonna throw that up there. I'm gonna make sure yeah. that's the first shell in at the yeah. at the end of the split, man. Let's see if that sucker. They'll be all right. No, you yeah. see, I, I put those in. Yeah, the first shell in the tube, so it's the last one in the gun. I ain't putting it in the chamber. No, put it in the chamber, man. No, uh-uh. I'd rather it go click on the last one by accident when I'm trying to run her to the plug <clears> than go click on the first one and have to jank get it out of there as quick as I can. Mm. Not a little rust on the brass don't hurt nothing. Oh yeah. no no no! It, you understand that this. <laughs> This shell has spent significant time submerged. I'm wondering. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, Put it in the tube first and load yeah. two good shells on top of it. Get the barrel nice and warm. Dry it out before it goes down there. <laughs> yeah, I see. But I'm looking forward to seeing if that thing still goes bang. But if you don't want to buy an entire case of ball shot shells to get a wax canvas baggie. You can buy it from them. For how much? I don't know. Probably thirty bag. bucks. Yeah, you, you can buy you can buy the plastic cases I use on Amazon for two dollars and it's like forty six cents a piece. Yeah. But you won't have a cool little leather bag. It looks cool when it's just sitting there on your little platform. <laughs> <can> paint his <laughs> plastic. It's very rednecky. It's authentic. No, it's not rednecky. It's it's uh, well, that's what I'm looking for. It's, it's, it's like, a little it's a little bougie. It's, yeah, it's a little bougie. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks rednecky. <laughs> yeah. that, that's rednecks with paychecks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, baby. Rednecks with upper middle class white trash. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, man. So we got that small game hunt coming up in January, and then uh, at the end of January, we'll be back in Seminole Forest. And, Briar, you were asking about cooking breakfast, and I reckon we'll plan to cook a breakfast for that one. Uh-huh. But I want to talk about some things, speaking of breakfast. When it comes to the uh, hunt in Georgia, you guys need to bring some food. If you want to go out to eat, there's plenty of stuff to go into Ludawissi and eat at fast food restaurants or regular restaurants or whatever. Hull House and Parker's has got some damn good fried chicken. But they there's got decent breakfast too. Yeah, there's Huddle House and stuff like that down there. If you want to go out to eat every night, you're more than welcome to. It's only about a twelve minute, fifteen minute drive. Uh, but I'll be cooking. I got a freezer full of deer meat for me, and we'll have multiple. You know, bring a way to cook some stuff. You're not going to have power. You're not going to have running water. So, dude, wipes. I think AJ's bringing a um, the little nursing home toilet. Oh, is he? So we'll dig a communal a communal latrine. Did we bring it last year? No, we it? used a chair. What happened oh, to the right, one yeah. I gave y'all? Do you still have that one? One of y'all better still have it. Might be at my house. I Jordan's don't think got I it. Have it. I don't. I don't have it. Jordan has it. <laughs> now, but Briar gave you. We took that one when me when me and him and Ryland went small game hunting up in Ocala. Well, it's at my house then. Is that my no? Because I thought y'all went to later in the season. We did. <clears throat> But we didn't take, we didn't, when we did that hunt, when it was me, Jordan, AJ, and Charlie last year <clears throat> at New Year's, we didn't have a toilet like that. We uh-huh. had a camp chair where you half cheek a, half mm. cheek a fold, little folding chair. <laughs> the nursing home toilet's where it's at, though. Oh, absolutely. Knock yeah. the bottom of a nursing home toilet, dig a good hole. Perfect. You're good to go, baby. Mm-hmm. We had some kind of metal chair with a toilet seat bolted onto our camp for a while. I don't know what happened to it. Now we got full on running water and stuff, so maybe somebody pitched it. But we had it was we a had, comfortable uh, seat. We we had a camp in in uh, around Cuthbert where we used a toilet like that for so long it looked like somebody went through and filled in artillery holes in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much turd and toilet paper buried in that bit of woods right behind camp. It's not even funny. It's probably fertile as can be now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You got corn growing out of the hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Seminole Force, I mean, we made a pretty 
kicking breakfast last year. Yeah, hot dogs and peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> are we going to do that as a – is we going to build that as a youth hunt? We start knocking that out or – That's the plan. At, well – Got to give a chuck. At, so, also, at that event, if we haven't already sold all the tickets for the uh, kayak, we'll push selling those tickets. And uh, we'll get those sold and do the drawing shortly after that. Yeah. The crawfish boil is officially out for – May twenty seventh or April twenty seventh. Tickets April twenty seventh. Yeah, at the Jolly Gator. Still got to knock out the nitty gritty of it, but date set April twenty seventh. The Jolly Gator. We had so much crawfish, tons. Like I ate. I thought it was going to be good. I ate a shitload of crawfish, and then it was all done, and we just. You know, I just we just ate. It just kept coming. I, I can tell you, Brent. I never heard somebody put it this way, but Brent Reeves. He said it like it is. He said, I never get full on crawfish. I just get tired. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> hey, that the truth? And I was like, I that's about you're right. right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Get full on crawfish. Just get tired. You yeah. start getting sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you suck in enough of the salt and stuff that they're, you know, it's like your heart starts going, hey, man, your blood pressure is about 730. Need you know, over 135, you know, like. Yeah, slow well, you, down. You're doing all that work for a piece of meat the size of the end of your thumb. You know, it's <laughs> delicious. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to be there and eat and enjoy the fellowship and win some sweet prizes and cash and whatever else. But Yeah, we got to get our our auction or whatever you call that, a little bit organized. The raffle. Yeah, that's part of the things There's I was talking with Jordan about. Incredible deals last year. <laughs> yeah. I was talking with Jordan about that, uh, how I'd like to run some things and maybe do some different stuff with the poker run and. Selling some, you know, like we talked about with selling tables, uh, selling event sponsors that would, you know, sponsor a whole, get a table, get other things, which we'll all hash that out here shortly. And we'll have before the prices go live, which will be in the next, probably the next month or so, <clears throat> the tickets will go on sale and you'll be able to buy tickets to come to the event. What do you say, Alan? You like crawfish? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's one. <laughs> AB, ABC baby always be close yeah I think those guys threw in some bonus didn't they my book staying at they the did. house this year yeah. yeah we bought 1400 yeah, it's probably a good idea <laughs> they, they threw an extra two or 400 pounds for us so I got a question I got a question for y'all for the room last year we gave away a custom rifle to kick you know before the crawfish bowl uh, even happened if we could give away another rifle. Wouldn't be another custom rifle, unless by some chance I would happen to find somebody who wanted to help us out on that, like we had last year. What would you, if we sold 300 tickets at $25 a piece, what would you want to buy? What, what kind of rifle would you want to win? Benelli shotgun, twenty gauge. Right, I'm not that's, paying twenty five dollars for a I I was thinking, like, I, you, listen, like, I have I have contacts who can about, get about some, Henry. Yeah, see, I thought of Henry, and then I also thought I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for the stars and see if I can get Pretty an cool. Alaskan an Alaskan guide gun. Hmm. Like the forty five seventy, you can take apart at the action. Yeah. Oh, we and William talked about it too. If we were gonna do a <clears> shotgun. 
Like, I'd like to do a nice, like, side-by-side with the engraving. Yeah. yeah, or an over-under, like a, a fancy shotgun. Browning. Something right, like the that. The high-end Satori's yeah. with the lightnings. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, that's all day. I mean, that, when you think about our guys, too, man, more of them are going to get use out of a shotgun, whether it's small game hunting, dove, quail. I like the idea snipe. of Alaskan guide gun, though. I'd get 45. I'd love to have 4570. I need to make a phone call. I got contacts. Maybe you'll be able to get a straight guns. wall cartridge gun. You can, I mean, that opens you to more like Ohio. Mm-hmm. You're hunting straight wall out there during battles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great, great gun for hog hunting. Oh, that's right. Because technically everybody says it's black powder, but it's not. You can use the 4570 because it's actually a black powder cartridge, right? It's a straight wall cartridge. No, like Ohio requires you to use, if you when you rifle hunt, you have to use a straight wall cartridge. So you can shoot 444 Marlin, 4570, 350 Legend. Uh, 458 SOCOM, 50 Beowulf, yeah, 450 Bushmaster. Just no Magnums. I think you, you could shoot jacket. 44 Magnum, I do believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. it I has to be a straight jacket cartridge. There can be no neck. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But I'd have to look truly to understand what calibers, because I know with that they, you know, have specific calibers. I don't think they let you go out there and hunt with like a 700 Rhino. <laughs> it's a straight wall cartridge right? it's a straight wall cartridge there yeah it sure is <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know something to think about trying to hunt Yankee States that's why you, you know that's where the big deer are man <laughs> I'd be in Ohio Indiana Illinois Illinois be a bit tough but they, Pe- they've the got people, crazy the regulations yeah People's people Republic. from Illinois. <laughs> yeah. But is it Republic or Republic? I'm not sure. But the, and that's all because of Chicago. Yeah. But yeah. That's true everywhere, man. New York State's pretty redneck too, except it you is. gotta get if you get an upstate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You get up in the Appalachians and <clears throat> as I understand, well, I remember when I was a kid, the rumors are places at the Phone company wouldn't go in without the state troopers because the trucks kept disappearing. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, man, I tell you, the time I spent in New York, never nowhere else in the in the United States, you're gonna wander like you can in the mountains of New York and find, uh, dang, you you were just walking through the mountain, like up at, at West Point is where I was for a few months. You're walking the hillside, and you're like, oh, check it out, an old stone wall. You know what that stone wall's there. The Revolutionary War. Yeah. Dude, it might have been a fend off Indians. Might be earlier. Well, at the True. at the at West Point it's definitely from the Revolutionary War. The whole West Point's there because of the bend in the Hudson River and whatever else. There used to be a giant chain strung across the middle. So that when the ships would round the corner they had to stop and just give them a volley of cannon fire and sink them right there. You aware of that? No. The pieces of the chain are still on either side of the river. Yeah. At West Point. Obviously, it's been cut in the middle now, but. You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we go any further, let me introduce who we got in the room here. Uh, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan in here. I'm here. Let's get it. I thought you forgot my name there for a second. I, d- I did. God dang. We got Jim. Yes, sir. We got Briar. Hi, y'all. We got Mr. Alan Bates. Hello. 
and uh, another success story. Yeah. Well, he's just an all-around public, public land hunting fool. Yeah. <laughs> that man slays some deer wherever he goes, whether it be caribou in Alaska or monster bucks in Florida. Had a good run sometimes. Oh, well, <clears throat> let's... We're going to start this off uh, right by really enticing people to stick around for some of these stories. And uh, for the people in Florida in the know, I want you to tell us your your story uh, about uh, the gators you took out of Lake Apopka, as it's been <laughs> as it's been called. <laughs> yeah, a few years ago we did. Um, we actually weren't in Lake Apopka. We were hunting in the Apopka Beauclair Canal, and uh, the that year in particular, FWC had put out a uh, recommended areas to hunt for Lake County. And on the map that year, they put out and recommended spot number 10 was Popka Beauclair Canal. So we went there on the first night and we killed a 12, one or two and a 10 something first night. And we got to run in with the fine game wardens. <laughs> and uh, after a heated disputes at the boat ramp and back and forth we ended up with a couple of court dates and we got our gators confiscated and the next day they brought us tags to admit they were wrong and replaced our tags and told us we weren't allowed to go back there but at the time we were legal and uh but it was it was good times it was we've had a few run-ins with them over the years gator hunting so hard because the county tags especially there's so much up to interpretation and what I may interpret and you may interpret and the guy who's got the pen interprets maybe all totally different. And, uh, you just have to be ready to defend what your interpretation is, you know, at the end of the day. But that's what makes the county tags the hardest to hunt. I think what's wacky is you'll run into places on the county tags where you look at their map. It'll say that area is good to go. Mm -hmm. But then you read the fine print. It says, except, Within a certain distance from a preserve, a blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He's got one of those, too. Yeah, I got one of those, too. Yeah, so <laughs> you're like, oh, you look at the map, it says I'm good to go. And then they're like, no, 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 there's a preserve over there. I'm like, well, wait a second. That that preserve, run, there's a hundred yards of this five miles on your map that says it's good to hunt. Mm-hmm. That's actually good to hunt. It, why is it even here? Mm-hmm. It could be a whole hell of a lot of these. You just... So, exempt it like well like I've, I've always thought like up there on the river especially like you know they give all these vague definitions just go on the thing and say you can hunt from marker so and so to marker so and so just cut out all the interpretation of where you can and you right. can't hunt if you're between those two markers you're good if you're not you're not yeah you yep. know rather so, than having like all this gray verbiage of you can't be near this you can't be near that you know make it cut and dry where you know people that are trying to follow the law can stay easily within within it but I mean, you don't think it would be that hard to go up there and ride the river and jot down a couple of marker numbers and put it on the thing. But you, you don't even have to jot them down. They've got record of what the numbers are and where they're at. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Like you I mean, would think you, that would be so much easier than being just you vaguely. Could, it's almost like baiting people in to get caught trying to push the issue. Yeah, you can download. People are making those maps that were not the law enforcement guys. No, you know, they're, 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 they're trapped in it too. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Something, if you're making the maps... It's pretty clear the maps aren't made by the guys that are actually out there in the woods no. on either the law enforcement side or on the hunting and killing side. No. Yeah. So. Interns. We had actually got into this story because I had told Alan about how, like, 
we had pulled my boat within that one preserve and then FWC called me and got on to me and he's like, but they can't get on to you. Yeah. And then he went and telling me about his story with his, what y'all, y'all killed one right up against the preserve or? No, we killed one. We were near, near a preserve, but we were good. I mean, I, I had it marked out on my Onyx, you know, exactly how far the boundaries were from it. So we knew where we could and couldn't be. We were to the good, probably I don't know, 150 yards or more. And uh, we had killed one. And it was a good one. It was 11-something, 11, 2 or 3, 4 something. And uh, we had killed it. And it's an area of, you know, the river that I don't think a lot of people really hunt a lot because they probably don't read into it and stuff. But I had been on the fence about this area in particular on where I was hunting at. And I had actually emailed in ahead of time to clarify if I was legal to hunt there. And I had an email back that said we were good. And it was laminated, printed in the boat, you know, had it just for documentation, just kind of a CYA thing in case we ran into anybody. And of course, here come a tour, airboat tour service around the corners. We're rolling 11 footer in and, you know, that was where he took all his little people to go show them alligators. And he was less than enthused. And <laughs> what you had, don't know, he's been feeding that sucker chicken thighs. And it, I appreciated it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's not telling you. He just swam right up to the boat. (laughs) Just put a bang stick in him. That was all. Yeah. Easy peasy. Hey, don't kick a gift horse in the mouth. (laughs) But no, we, we, we had a conversation with him and then he was on the phone. I was like, well, you want to leave? I was like, I ain't leaving. I'm legal. I ain't got nothing to hide from. Let him come find us. and We'll be right here waiting on him. It took him about an hour. (laughs) Here they came. Yeah, well, but, so it's interesting. Give, if you were full credit to that officer in particular, he came and he's like, my supervisor said, you're in the wrong. You know, we're writing you this. We're confiscating your gators, your blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. And I, you know, gave him the whole spiel, showed him the email that said we were legit. And we went round and round about it back and forth. But he was very, you know, very calm. You know, we went back and forth and had a discussion about, you know, his interpretation, my interpretation of it. And, you know, he called his supervisor several times and, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, look, I've got to do what they said. You know, I've got to write you a ticket and we got to do the thing. And I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, if you think so, but we'll see you in court. Like, right. Know, this is what it is. And, um, we left and we had a pretty good run back to the boat ramp and we took off and we started running back to the ramp and I got halfway back to the ramp and they called random number was calling in, answered the phone. And it was the game, you know, the game warden again. He's like, look, I looked further into the situation and you're a hundred percent right. We're, you know, my supervisor's not right. He's like, what ramp are you going to? I told him. He's like, all right. Met me back at the ramp, ripped the ticket up, gave us our gator back, you know, which I was appreciative that he took the foresight to not just say, you know, hey, that that's what they said and that's the gospel. And he right. called up the ladder and found out that, you know, I had done my research. You know, we were legit. We were 100% good. And, um, you know, he told us, go at it, have fun. You know, you go back there and hunt all you want to. You know, you're, you're right. And I'd showed him on my maps, you know, on your map, you can block out, you know, I can measure and block out an area. It's like on my Onyx, on that area where I'm not allowed to be, it's black. You know, I blacked it out so that I can keep track of it. Right. And then if and when I go there, which I haven't been back but once since then, but when I roll in, I just turn my Onyx tracks on so that I can show documentation that I'm not there. You know, I'm staying on the good side the whole time in case I get stopped. And we had done that that day too, you know, to be able to show, even right. though the airboat guy told him we were right over there in the thing. I'm like, well, here's the map. It says I wasn't, you know. That's that's, but, that's interesting. I never thought about doing stuff like. But you're right. You, I mean, Onyx is such a mapping tools in general. Are such a great they're a great 
you know, it's ace in the hole if you use it correctly. Correct. Correct. Uh, Which, you know, when you, I know when I went to that spot that I'm pushing the envelope, but I knew I was on the right side. You know, it wasn't that I was crossing the line. I knew where the line was and I knew where I had to be. And I do know when you go to those kind of places that you run that risk of running into somebody. And that's why I have those documentation with me, you know, have your stuff to prove your case. Right. If something happens and it's happened a couple of times and every time it's came out that we were right, you know, where we were supposed to be. You know you're prepared to to meet the game warden when you're like, hang on, let me pull this out and laminate it and then stick it in <laughs> the boat. You don't want it to get messed up in the boat and get right. wet and be like, this was legitimate. Here was my proof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. So what gets me is, you know, you run into that heat, you know, that gray area and a lot of times they are willing to issue the fisherman or the hunter a citation. And there's a lot of times they don't. Don't, you know, but... It's all up to the one that stops you and how he feels that day, really. Yeah, yeah. how's the day's going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that now that in this case it was demonstrated that you were legitimate, mm-hmm. why didn't the other guy get run up for harassment? I, now, I, I suppose the same thing, right? You could say, well, he had a legitimate reason to think maybe you were legitimate, but yeah, they they must yeah. have called him back um, and told him that we were legit. Because just over principle, I went back one more time that year, and um, there was a tour going on, and we rolled three in the boat that morning, <laughs> just for principle. So here, here's here's the thing, though. You go on and just to put a you, cherry on it, just yeah. to put a cherry on it. Call on me next time. Look, I was only look, coming to get one, but I'll get three more since yeah. you wanted to be an hey, asshole. About listen, it. that that same refuge, the uh, like I told you, we had gotten called on last year, and essentially what he told me is he was like. I, he's like, I don't really care. He's like, but I, I kind of have to call and like give you a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. And then we're sitting there this year, and the game warden reads off William's name. He's like, Krebs. He says, he says, have I ever met you before? I said, I don't know who you think I am, but I ain't that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then William proceeded to tell him uh, about how high the water was last year, and the other warden that's in the boat with him is like, well, the, the the conversation came up because I talked about hunting there the year before, and I killed that buck that I killed out there yeah. last year. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, and he said, he's like, man, as high as the water was last year, you could have just drove your boat pretty much most way up that trail. And I was like, well, I mean, we didn't drive it. We drove it here and shut it off and pulled it up through there because yeah. it's loud, and I don't want to, you know, be spooked everything. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that's what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> We didn't block the trail. I mean, I understand, like, you know, even you can't, even on a, a named road, you can't just park your vehicle and block a road, right? You have to move off to the side yeah, to allow emergency vehicles. Yeah. We did. We pushed it in and then pushed the boat off to the side where you could still walk, I guess, in waders is how the other guy was getting up there. I'd, or swimming, because I'm pretty sure it was pretty dang deep down yeah. there where we parked the boat this year. It was like five foot deep. It had yeah. to have been. <laughs> uh, but, or he was just hunting wet. Sometimes if there's that much water, that's the best option. Just yeah. go in with some tennis shoes and forget about all that other stuff. Just dry out when you get in the stand. <laughs> no. I'm telling you, that's why Alan's an animal at it. Alan, Dad and Alan goes and sets trail cameras in like July. July 4th weekend. That'll do it. That's when you start. So you running, you're running trail cam. When do you pull them? Depends on the place. So, you know, we hunt mostly public lands and stuff 99% of the time. 
Um, but usually July 4th weekend for whatever quotas we've got or wherever we're starting at for the year, you know, by that time quota permits have came out and we've kind of got an idea of what WMA we're going to start on. And usually that'll prompt our first trip down. You know, it's normally a long weekend and we'll go down and set some, at least a handful of preliminary cameras, just kind of walking places and just looking. Sometimes it's a WMA you're familiar with. So you're kind of going to some, you know, specific spots and sometimes, you know, it's a WMA we've never even been to. So just go and start walking and looking and, you know, making a log of what you're finding. And, you know, you hang a few in places you think you might can find a few bucks on it and hang them. A lot of times it's not in places you'll ever end up hunting, you know, and sitting, but you can just kind of get an inventory and see what's around. If there's bucks you want to hunt or if you want to turn the hunt in. I mean, there's times I've put cameras up and not got anything on camera. I was like, yeah, send the permit back and go get all my cameras and go on. And then we'll leave them up for like that first hunt all the way through when we're done. And then with there, we'll pick them all up and move to the next place, move to the next management area and go again, put them up. And we normally pick the last cameras up for the year. Normally in a uh, small game season, we'll leave them up and then we'll go a small game weekend and collect them all from all the different places. I know there's guys that are listening to this going, how do you, how do you keep from getting stolen? Oh, well, so let me <laughs> preface. <clears throat> Alan hides his cameras extremely well. <laughs> That's how you keep them from getting stolen. Yes. Uh, so the specific WMA that he had a shitload of cameras in this year, mm-hmm. I pulled a redraw and like the very first time I pulled the redraw, I went and set a camera and then came back to check it a second time and found what I thought was some random person's camera and it was Alan's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, man, who the hell set a camera here after I said, I said, like, mine's in a wide fucking open. No. <laughs> and so like, I tried to leave like a phone number because Alan, Alan's yeah. looking at pictures on his camera going, why is there a camera next to my camera? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I tried to leave like my phone number on the camera, but mm-hmm. I failed at that. Um, and I just wanted to work with whoever it was. I, I wasn't trying to like, Hey, I'm, I'm hunting here. <laughs> I just wanted to work with somebody and be like, Hey, where do you plan to hunt? Because I kind of like this area. Mm-hmm. and uh, I'd made a post to some group, and Alan sent me a text, and he's like, hey, that was a nice deadhead you had. And I was like, oh, I appreciate it. And he's like, that's my camera. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alan's Alan's camera was hidden extremely well. Yeah. No, I, I, I try and hide them on purpose. Be, less likely people's going to mess with them. If they don't see it, they're not going to mess with it. Um, are, you, I, are you ghillie suiting in the camera itself? Or? No, no, it was I, uh, just in an unsuspecting spot. Nice. Some of them are like that. And then I paint all mine too. I give all mine a custom paint job for the most part. There's always a few. I don't remember if that one you seen was painted or it not. It was painted, yeah. Yep. I give them all a paint job to, you know, when you buy them, they've still got that like sheen that you can kind of Yeah, kind of shiny. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. You know, I think it sticks out. You know, people can see it. Um, so I paint them. Tape all the lenses up, paint them every year. Any cameras, any new ones I get, paint them, break them up. You know, I've kind of, I've done it for a few years now. So I think that one was hanging by paracord too. So there wasn't like a big strap. Correct. Yeah. And I do most of my cameras like that with a camo paracord and I hang them up rather than using a strap. Because like when I'm walking through the woods, that's what I see when I see somebody's camera. I look through the woods and 30 yards over there, I'm like, oh, there's a camera on that tree. Yeah, one inch wide strap. Yeah, that's going around the tree and a piece of paracord you'll never see walking through the woods i had a georgia game warden one time 
He was like, yeah, we run cameras. Like, how do you guys hide your cameras to keep from getting stolen? He's like, oh, it's easy. We take mosquito net and you put it over top of the camera. And then whatever kind of type of tree you're putting it on, you glue tree bark to the mosquito net. Yeah. And then put it on the... It is, but I mean, that sucker would be invisible. If you had time and you knew what trees you were going to be on. and Well, I mean, you look at it, you like uh, 99% of the trees I'm hunting, they're pine trees. Yeah. But this was on a palm tree. But right. Yeah, mine was on a palm tree. They're, mine are on all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But that that's another way to do it. And that, that too, putting the mosquito in over it, takes the glare off of your uh, camera lens. Mm-hmm. And it'll still work and shoot clear through it because it's so close to the lens. It'll, just, it'll burn right through that yeah. mosquito net. I, I have good luck with painting them. I paint them. You know, I've done it. So many times now that you kind of learn what works and what doesn't, what base coats to use, and use base coats, and then I use a couple colors to break it up all the way up the antenna, the whole thing, paint them all. They they turn out really nice nowadays. I had to uh, get some tips from you because I got a couple cell cams that you just stick out. And they're right now they're going to go on our property in Alabama in some spots. I picked up some of those muddies that run on. They don't run on a specific cell network yeah, as much the as they run. Network. Yeah, they run on four, the four major carriers, whichever one gets the strongest signal. So I'm hoping they work well. Yeah. Um, That's what I run, Muddy cameras. Yeah. Muddy and Stealth Cam, they run on the same app. I've ran, I've owned a bunch of them, Tacticams and um, Moultries and various things. And I found the Muddies and Stealth Cams to be the most reliable for the money. And yeah. plans are reasonable. Um, but holy shit, that Muddy camera I got takes 16 freaking AA batteries. All of mine Good take man. eight. I actually mine, mine no yours mine, are Moultrie. Oh, you're yeah Moultrie. Sorry, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a Moultrie camera. It's a Moultrie. Edge. No, it's not an Edge. It's a uh, base cam. Yeah, it's yeah. a big one. It'll run on you're eight. Not, you're not running solar, take, are you? Do what? You're not running solar on them, right? No, no, I run uh, just <clears> regular AA batteries. All the cameras I have take eight. Um, I've ran lots of different batteries. If you you know if you're leaving one somewhere where you're not going to be able to be back to it for a long extended period of time. Um, you can't beat the Energizer lithiums, but they are so expensive to run when you start running eight of them in a camera, you know, they're Amazon at one time, you know, you could buy them for like a buck 50 a battery and that wasn't bad. I could do that, but now they're up to like three something, a, a battery, yeah. you know, you start putting a bunch of trail cameras up with those and it's just unreasonable. Um, but I've ran the knockoff lithium batteries and those work pretty good. Um, your biggest downfall when you run any lithiums in a trail camera is your battery bar doesn't work. You know, they give full power till they're dead. So it's just literally that it just stops sending you pictures, but you don't know. You may go move it today and tomorrow it's dead, but you didn't know it was even low. So I, here, here's something I, you know, you, you brought the, a, a problem with lithium batteries. Have you ever noticed a smell to lithium batteries when you open yeah. a fresh pack? I actually can't smell at all. Hardly. Very like nothing. I don't. I don't so smell. I don't it smell I, it. But I have heard people talk about I don't, it. I don't smell it when I open like an Energizer pack. But when we used to get uh, in the army, we would get lithium. You can hear that on the podcast. I'm leaving it in there. Yeah. Uh, when we would get uh, lithium Energizers, uh, we they were tan and they were stupid, stupid, like better than the ones you can buy at uh, Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came in a blister pack. So you pop them out one at a time, mm-hmm. but dude, you crack one out, and I'm like, whoa, it really, really smells. I believe it. But. And I, well, I say you said it, and I, I said it's like I wonder if the deer can smell it. They might can, maybe I don't know. Just a thought. But I know that you know uh, 
Moultrie now, the cameras that I have, they take a rechargeable pack as well. You just got the edges. Yeah. Yeah. And you can fit a rechargeable pack. Look, the, you push a button, the whole battery pack pops out the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole rechargeable battery that'll slip up in there, and it's supposed to last 40% longer than 16 lithium batteries. That's a long time. And two of them, I think the, the two packs, 140 bucks. I'm like, that's really not a bad. That'll pay for itself in about three charges. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I had somebody one time ask me, "Was like, how why, how does your trail camera last so long?" I was like, "I, I don't have it send me instant photos. I mean, I, especially if it's like in July or whatever." Mm-hmm. I don't need to see a photo every single time. Let it send me photos every six hours. I can check my, I check my phone at night. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I like mine firing away. I want to see. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I'm guilty. I want to see. You got to be change. careful. Well, I'll like, go change when, the batteries when, in it when, when it dies. Yeah. You put when this season, thing out. When season rolls around, I'll set it to like send it as soon as it gets there. But like, if it's early and I'm not hunting yet. I'll look at it. Every I still night. like to see it. You put your camera on, like take one photo every three minutes and you get a bunch of does in there feeding for a while. And <clears throat> your fresh batteries after the second day are <laughs> gone, man. Well, you know, my, I, I don't have too much of a trouble with battery life just because we're running, you know, on public land, you don't have any feed in front of them. So, I mean, yeah, I yeah. get some like occasionally a hogs will get under an acorn tree or something and burn up some pictures. But for the most part, you know, if you're getting, 15 20 pictures on a camera in a day that's really that's popping hot. that's popping and um so i don't i the way i've got to where i do it is i battery put all fresh batteries in my camera to start the year and then so right before i went and put started putting cameras back up last week i took all the batteries out whether they said they were good or they were bad threw them all away put all fresh batteries and all the cameras and then now they're starting i'm starting now- to deploy everything again let, let's see how much how many updates I get when I do this because it should have checked in by now every three hours. <laughs> you just slid the wrong way. Yes, I swipe down. Loading. Yeah. Only six, six. more. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Early in the afternoon. When I do that at like eleven o'clock in the morning, yeah, I'll have had like six in the middle of the night. When I check it first thing in the morning, do it about lunchtime. Hit that again. It's like eighty-seven photos. Yeah. <laughs> we'll load on there. <laughs> but, man. that's I mean, I feel like that's a huge key to public land that people kind of like, people are like, I don't know where to hunt. I'm like, go set a pace load of cameras. Put Well, so you, you, you said, it's we not just had setting cameras. It's just you go spend, if you want to find somewhere to hunt, go spend a piss load of time in the woods walking around. That's how you find somewhere to hunt. You don't we, need cameras to, I mean, cameras are a tool. I use them. A lot of people use them. And they, they do help, but nothing, no amount of cameras, no amount of anything beats just putting boots on the ground, walking, looking, and finding sign. I mean, yeah. that's how you end up with cameras in places. But you find sign, you find places to kill deer by just putting the time in. There's okay. nothing that takes. Never had anybody say that on the podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, might start sinking in soon. Yeah. <laughs> We had a guy just the other day post on the group, and he was like, I'm just trying to kill my first deer. I've been hunting over this rub and this scrape. And I'm like, dude, you might want to, you got a camera over it because you, you, you have a scrape. That's great. And the deer, the buck, he is probably coming back to check it, but there's a chance he's not. I mean, and studies show yeah, he's that like, it's fresh. Studies show that they will scrape once and then just disappear. Mm-hmm. 
Not well, to mention, he could have made the scrape and checking? then got killed. Right. In the middle every, of the night. At 2 a.m. Like mm-hmm. clockwork. Good luck. Um, and the rub thing, man. Like, rubs are a good indicator that bucks are in the area. That's exactly what it is. And that's all it is. The only time I feel like rubs matter at all, ever, is if there is a lot of them in one area. A lot. Like, them one-off big rubs that you find. Yeah, they look cool. You could sit there whatnot. But they they don't mean anything to me scouting. Like you can look at them, they look cool, and walk on by them. Like I will say that the only thing there. So that that weekend that I killed that buck, uh, I'd had a, uh, another guy with me throughout the hunt. That's the one that you kept catching on your camera, with walking yeah. around. So the dude didn't sit in the stand, but like eight minutes in the morning. I know. Get down Listen, you you want some uh, some crazy advice and, and whole talking about a whole deer study on rubs and scrapes. Listen to. NDA's Deer Season 365 podcast, Unlocking the Mysteries of Whitetail Scrapes with Miranda Huang. She They did a whole study on like a several thousand acre lease in Tennessee where they ran hundreds of trail cameras on scrapes. And they, you, you think that like, oh, this buck made the scrape. He's going to be back. Dude, she's like, no. There's like seven bucks using that one scrape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not a singular deer. Oh, so very that's why they're doing it. Yeah. That's a singular deer. Yeah. There was one thing with that area, and because I was hunting the far side of that area, mm-hmm. but he was kind of hunting over by your cameras, mm-hmm. and uh, I had walked in and out with him a couple times, and I had noticed the afternoon before I sat that morning that we walked in and there were three rubs along that road. Mm-hmm that were new mm-hmm. that I hadn't seen at all throughout the rest of the hunt. Yeah. And I was like, that's probably a good sign if they're, I mean, and they were, there was one tree, another 60 yards, like another tree. I mean, they were kind of right there in line along that road. Yeah. And they were new to the whole entire hunt. Yeah. So to me, that told me something that I need to be. Yeah. Yeah within that line i mean any kind of fresh signs good sign you know if you can find something that tells you they've shifted or they've moved because that happens a lot of times you know they you may start a hunt somewhere or leading up to a hunt they're right here and you know right before they make a shift or something like that so i mean you can look at most recent yeah well hell you know, he had pulled a whole what that 800 year, yard circle or at least that morning he yeah. walked at least 800 yard circle because i had that deer on camera on three i think three cameras that morning in the daylight you know i was texting you i told yeah. you yeah there's one over there walking around. If he wanders up your way. And when you said you had moved, I was like, eh, I don't know if he'll make it up there or not. And then when you killed him, I'm like, well, I'll be. Dude was out roaming around that morning. <laughs> yeah. It got him killed, too. He was putting in some legs. He was. But, um, but yeah, the, those deer those deer move around. Deer move so much more distance than people give them credit for, too. You know, when people get a deer on camera and they're like, oh, I got this big one right here. I'm going to go hunting right here. Those deer roam miles, miles. Like, I'm telling you, I've got cameras, deer on pictures. You know, there was another different management area we hunted during bow season this year. And I went in the first morning. I had a buck that was in the daylight, you know, two days before the hunt. And he was big enough that you just, you got to go try. You know, you got to go give him one sit. And I went and gave him one, and I just wasn't feeling it in there. We got out of there and went on something else, you know, hunting in there and a buddy of mine that was in there with us killed the deer on the last morning which it was only a three-day quota shot the deer didn't know it was that deer we went and helped him find it it was a long track had to get a blood dog out there but we found him and we walk up to him and i'm like that's the deer 
That's the deer I had pictures of. And it was 2.57 miles from his stand to where I had the pictures of the deer at. Mm. And it was only three days before. And I mean, that's not, it sounds like so far, but, um, it sounds like so far, but you know, two miles, I can walk that and you know, not that long hour and a half. I mean, to a deer, that's nothing. They just blaze right over there and blaze right back. But I think sometimes people get a deer on camera and they're like, I got to hunt this little spot. I'm like that dude's roaming all over the world. Let's take a break real quick and let's, uh, let's come back and talk about, uh, talk about this buck you just killed. Okay. The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. So you put down a Florida hammer uh, up here and we'll just stick to Florida. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And my understanding is you had some history with that buck. I did. I did. It's a, it's a buck that I, I did. I was really lucky to kill a buck this year on a muzzleloader quota. Um, a buck I've been after for four years, you know, off and on at different times. I was harder after him than others. Um, I actually had five years of history with the deer. Um, it started out, um, we had went and hung some cameras on a management area. We had never hunted it, um, but we knew we were intending to start hunting it probably, you know, if quotas, draws and stuff worked out. And uh, so we went out there actually at the, I don't know, it was end of the year, Christmas time or something, and hung three or four regular cameras up, not cells, and left them up and went and picked them up a couple months later and had some quite a few bucks on camera. And um, But he was one of them. And at the time, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't anything. He was just a buck. He was a 10-point, um, a really small, tight 10-pointer. I say really small. He was probably about 100 inches, you know, give or take. Um but at the time, there were some other ones that I was more interested in that were on camera. And um, so we pulled those cameras out. We drew some quotas, and we went out there and started hunting. And I didn't really go back to that area um, in particular right at first. And we went and started hunting a different area of the management area. And I killed a buck. We got to get in on the archery and the muzzleloader that year. And I killed a buck on the archery hunt that year, um, the second sit. And, you know, so I was tagged out in there, but that was the one that's relative to my deer, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah I so killed it. It was right over there in that same area where he's, you killed your... he's got pictures of that buck that he shot is 110% probably the dad of the deer that I shot. Yeah. That's for sure. cool. And it was right in that same area. I killed him literally right, right there. And, um, but I could get in and out there. And so I went and hung a few more cameras and I had one camera. I went and hung over there in that area in a, in a different area where I'd had that little 10 pointer before and, um, didn't have anything for a little while. And then the week before the muzzleloader hunt, he, he walked by, um, late one afternoon and he had, he had the exact same frame. It had just blown up like probably more than any deer I've ever hunted before that I've really had continuous years. 
and he had went from you know a hundred inch ten pointer, and he was a typical seven by six thirteen pointer, um, perfectly typical, no trash on him, and um, probably a, a mid one twenties deer I would have estimated, and um, I was like, well, he's just a one off, he's not going to show back up. I was like, I'm still going to go hunt these other deer that I got pictures of at the time. And the day before the muzzleloader hunt, he walked by in the morning in the daylight and in the afternoon in the daylight by that camera. And I was like, oh, God, you can't. How do you not go hunt a typical 13-pointer and go try? You know, you got to try. And I went in there and sat that morning, and I was like, I'm going for him. And um, went in there, sat that morning, didn't see him, seen several deer, and nine o'clock that morning, another buck came out and I was like, I almost, I, I him hauled on shooting him and I finally shot him because I just felt like I, you couldn't let that deer go on a quota. And at the time it was ended up being the biggest deer I'd ever killed. It was 118 inch eight pointer. Um, you know, which is too hard to let go, you know, on right. a three day quota hunt. Even That's a good eight point regardless. It, oh, yeah. it was a, it was a big deer. Um, and it was a whole fiasco. It actually took me a couple days to find him. Deer never bled, shot him, knew I, there was no way I missed I walked around in there, walked around in there, and it was actually the last day of the hunt. I went back, and I was like, there's no way I missed. Like, I had to have hit this deer. And I walked, went and walked everything one more time, walked right up on him. He was laying there dead, like 280 yards from where I shot him. And uh, just ran till he plowed. He had ran, and when he went into the ground, he plowed so hard, the mud in the swamp was wrapped around his antlers, like a, you know, like somebody was gripping them. He had ran and plowed so hard into the mud. and um, But I got him anyways. So I never shot anything else on that hunt. And, but that deer was, became public enemy number one to me. Um, cause I wanted him. And the next year, so that was the second year went in a buddy of mine drew the muzzleloader hunt, told him, I'm like, we're all in, we're trying to kill this deer. And we called, we called this deer Mike. That's what we called him. And um, I was like, we're all in to kill Mike. And we went in there. I had cameras kind of figured him out more zeroed in on where he was at. And, I knew I was getting a lot of daylight pictures of him. He was just relatively the same size, maybe a little bit bigger. And um, we went in there. We were both hunting him. And actually, on the last day of the muzzleloader hunt, Mike walked out 30 yards in front of him. He shot twice with his muzzleloader and it never went off. Oh. And uh, I had pictures of the deer standing in front of him while it was the muzzleloader wasn't going off. In the you know 9.30 in the morning, just the beautiful picture of biggest, greatest buck ever that we'd ever hunted. And it ran off and he got down and he was mad, rightfully so. And we go to the truck and he puts a third primer in it and muzzleloader goes off at the truck. <laughs> what was he shooting 209s or was he shooting caps? Really? Got, it was a wolf. That's CBA that's wolf. one of those things, man. The CVA makes a kit now too where you can convert from 209s to large rifle primers. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And that dude, if I had that kit for mine, I'd be shooting large rifle primers all day long. Yeah, it just burns so much hotter. Mm-hmm. I've never messed with him, but yeah, that happened to him, and it was a bad deal because I was like, oh, "We'll never get that chance again." I mean, you don't get bucks of that caliber all the time, and so he lived on. And I left a few cameras up, and I had enough proof that he lived through rifle season. I was like, "Well, we'll try it again next year and see what happens." So uh, the next year, um, we went up there, and I kind of had some preliminary summer cams up, and. I had get get him a few times on camera, and a buddy hit the hit a redraw hunt for up there for the archery, and we kind of went up there and started hunting. And honestly, we never I never zeroed him in. Some he just wasn't consistent. He was always like that though. He 
He never was a deer that got in one place and he just stayed here all the time. He was here for three to five, six days. I'd get him on camera and I'd get him on camera a lot while he was here. And when he left, to this day, I have no idea where he went. I had cameras everywhere looking for this deer. I walked literally just this year looking for that deer. I bet I walked 60 or 70 miles on foot scouting, trying to figure out where he went. I mean, I knew his one area. But I didn't know where he went, and I felt like the only way I had a chance to kill him was to know both places. Like, I need to be able to audible over and hunt him. I don't know if he went off the place. I mean, between me and other buddies that I knew hunting the same place, like, we had cameras all over the place, and I don't I don't know where he went still to this day. But I never could get him zeroed in on that hunt that, that this was last year. And ironically, we were done with the hunt. And we went in there to pull cameras and I was walking through and just, you know, I've walked the whole place over before and I walked in and there was this one little spot and I walked through there and there was rubs. It was thick, 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 thick. And there was rubs everywhere. Like just, I mean, 50 of them all in one little area. And I was like, man, there's a buck spending some time right in here. And, um, I just kind of made a note of it. I didn't have any cameras right there. I was just cutting between places. And um, went on, pulled all the cameras, left a few up, got pictures of him through rifle season. Again, pulled him. We were done. This year, went back, hung cameras, found him again. And ironically, that little area where I had found last year was where I ended up killing him at. And um, there was something about that little area that to that deer was special. It was really inconspicuous. You would never go in there. Um, and last year it was tore up with those rubs. This year there was none. Like there was no rubs. There was really no sign there, truthfully. Um, he was kind of a nomad. I would call him more so than anything. You know, I had a lot of other places within this management area that I was getting a lot of deer on camera, you know, and getting nice bucks, but they weren't him. He lived off to himself, basically just over here. That was his little spot when he was there. And, um, the first day of the archery hunt, I actually had that deer on camera during the archery hunt in the daylight, 52 yards from where I was sitting at, opening day of the bow hunt. And I couldn't see him. It was so thick. Oh. I never I never could see him at all. I, I was standing up watching that way, expecting that's where he was supposed to come from. And my camera went off. I looked at it, and he was 50 yards away at 745 in the morning. And I was like, it's gone. It's on. He's dying today. And... Never showed up, sat all day long, never seen him, seen some does, a couple does came by, but that was it. And I, I had a picture of a doe just before that, that I never seen either. And the only thing I can figure is he followed that doe away. You know, they didn't trigger the camera again, you know, maybe just a little bit skirted it or whatnot. Um, but that was a dagger to deal with was being that close to him and couldn't, didn't get it done. Didn't even see him. And, um, we hunted him on through the archery hunt. Never had another close call. I'd get him on camera sporadically. Actually, the morning that Jordan killed his buck, I was walking in to get in my stand or get back in a tree that I had sat before. And I'm. it was a long walk in there to where I was going, but I was probably 200 yards from getting to my tree in the camera at the tree I was going to. He was standing at. My camera went off and I was walking in. And I'm like, whatever. You know, what are you going to do? I elected not to go in there and blow him out. I was like, well, I got to back up and punt, so to speak. And I sat somewhere else that I thought maybe had an outside possibility of him showing up. He didn't show and life goes on. But fast forward, 
getting some pictures, and he actually had pretty well gotten even more sporadic rolling into the muzzleloader hunt, which was not his MO from previous years. You know, the previous years when it got to the muzzleloader, he would get more consistent and in places that you could kill him. You know, you felt like you were in the game, and I thought he would do that again, and he just never did. Um, actually, the last picture I had had of him was probably half a mile from where I killed him at. And um, it was on the Sunday before the muzzleloader started. And that was the last picture I had. And me and one buddy of mine, I talked to a lot. and We discussed places and he'd helped me a ton up there walking around scouting. And um, we talked about it. I'm like, this one spot, there's not even a camera there. I got tons of cameras up here. This spot didn't have a camera. And I'm like, that spot just makes the most sense to possibly kill him. That just seems where it would hub the best to kill him. And... Um, Went in there that morning, climbed up, sat there. It was like about 8.30 or so, a little after 8, something like that. And I looked back over my shoulder, and I seen just a glimpse of a body of a deer. It was probably about 75, 80 yards on the more open side that I could see. And I looked over and just seen a leg move, and I seen it, seen its head one time, a flash of it. And I just seen, he has really long main beams. And I seen a flash of the main beams, and I'm like, that'll work. Like, I don't know for sure that's him, but, like, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. And um, I grabbed my muzzleloader, and when I looked back, and all I seen was its, you know, its hams going into the woods away from me. It was gone. And I grabbed a grunt call, and I grunted at him a couple times. I threw the thing back in there. I have terrible luck with those. I don't really believe in it that much. I know a lot of people do, but they're just not my confidence thing. And I was sitting there, and probably, you know, 30 degrees – over i seen something move behind like a little thin bush but there was like a, the sun was right on that bush and it was really green like lit up and i seen something moving behind it you know where he had already went behind this stuff and was coming around cutting across and starting to be in front of me and i threw the muzzleloader up thankfully i was ready and there was a literally like a four or six inch gap and i just seen the horns like tips of tines go through and i was like that's the you know that's the rack that i seen and he was walking, and if he kept walking, I couldn't shoot. And But he paused for a second. There was literally like a four- to six-inch hole that I could see, and I could see, make out his leg, and there was just some leaves, you know, some thin leaves covering him up. It just made it where you couldn't see him perfectly, but I could see his leg and his brisket. And I lined it up, and I was like, that's, that's it. And I sent it and never heard anything, never seen anything. Nothing made noise after I shot, and I was like, well, you know, it's such a small hole, and he was probably like, 90 yards or so when I shot and um I sat down it you know the buddies of mine that I was texting that morning and stuff they could tell you I was not uber confident in my shot you know the situation was just so rushed so fast you didn't have time to like sit and settle but it was speak now or forever hold your peace right you know, at that moment and um sat there for 30 minutes and then finally I got down and walked over there and lined it all up and I'm like man hopefully I can find some blood or something Walked over there and he was laying. Never, never made another step. Blew him over. He was laying right there in the tracks. I couldn't believe it. I got up there about twenty yards from him and looked up there and I seen the body of the deer. I was like, "Oh man, I got it! Like I got it! I knew it was a big buck, but I didn't know it was him. You know that one. And because um, there's kind of some nomads that just kind of sporadically will come through them places. Right. I walked up there and I walked around the tree. His head was right behind a tree, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Mike." And I snapped a picture and, you know, I start firing it off to a bunch of buddies and 
I guess when you have terrible service and you try and send like picture 37 times, <laughs> none, of them are going, none of them are going through. And so I call a couple of them and I call the, you know, I call the one that helped me a bunch. I called him and I'm like, Hey, and um, I call my brother too. And I'm like, Hey, I, I killed him. It's Mike. And they're like, there's no way you'd send this picture. I'm like, I'm freaking trying. Like I'm trying, but it's not going through. I promise. I am not joking right now. And, uh, but sure enough, he was there. It was unbelievable. Like kind of after putting in all, I mean, literally over four years, hundreds of miles of walking around up there, scouting, looking, and um, finally it all worked out. So within your story, you talked about like this hub that you just thought was, you know, like deary to him or like when you're walking through the woods, when you see like a hub like that, what, what makes those hubs stick out to you? You know, honestly, I don't know that I've seen a lot of them that were like that situation in particular. Um, I, I just had spent so much time in there, and I think I had so much knowledge of that particular area, you know, where that deer was living, that it was kind of the process of elimination, you know, so to speak. You know, I had cameras all around that area, and he would show up on those, and he would be here, and he'd be there, and it just made sense that he hubbed through there. And it was a really thick spot. And there's other thick spots in there, but that was just that spot where it was thick was kind of, I would call it inconspicuous. Like you wouldn't really walk in there and think. And that sign, the sign in there was really hard to see because it would, it would get very wet in there at times. And, but it wasn't muddy, like where you would see like old tracks in the mud. Um, and the deer just didn't didn't leave a lot of sign you know he like i said he was kind of a nomad so it wasn't like one of those places where you walk through and you're like man there's a bunch of deer here i need to go sit right here yeah he, he didn't live there he lived you know I, I almost attribute it and i think a lot of you know bigger bucks are kind of like this like don't get me wrong you can kill nice bucks hunting around a lot of sign like you can kill nice bucks but the true giants i don't in my opinion i don't believe they live with a lot of deer um i, I think yeah. of them as like old grandpas you know they're, they're kind of cantankerous. They're set in their ways. They kind of keep off to the side. You know, they may not be far away, but they're not in the hub. Now, you can kill nice ones that live with the big mass of deer. But I think those really, the ones that get really big and really old, you know, based on my pictures and everything that I have from history of him, I think he was seven and a half years old. You know, so he was definitely on the backside of the age structure. And I think he just, he because when he was, like more in his prime, so to speak, when he was four and a half, five and a half, he lived in the hub of deer, you know, in the mass of where the deer lived in this management area. But at this time he had moved, he had shifted probably his core area where Chris had um, tried to shoot him before, um, probably three quarters of a mile away. And that was where he lived now. Um, and I think, I think that's just because he didn't like being around him, you know, that much. Well, you, you, on the same hand, you say you don't like being around the deer. Well, the hunters find the deer. He doesn't like being around the hunters. He's been you know, snapped at with two shots out of a muscle loader. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but on, honestly, I didn't ever have a lot of pressure right on there. Um, yeah. There was there was some people hunted around the fringes of it. And I can only say that because I've hunted in there so much. You know, I've had, you know, fortunate to have a, several friends, several different buddies that, you know, I'm forever grateful to that gave me the opportunity to be able to go in and hunt that deer so much. They knew how much it meant to me to try and kill it and you know they would go they'd draw a hunt and you know we'd go give it give it all we had and um there was one guy in particular had kind of gotten in there during the archery hunt around me and um i wasn't disappointed to see that he had killed something and left early in the hunt 
just well, kept somebody killed he there was another archer killed near you this yeah. year yeah yeah the first day and um not Did to, he kill a decent deer or? i mean he killed the smallest one i had on camera oh but he was very happy with it he posted on facebook and by all means i'm yeah an advocate of I, I hate when I see on social media when people down somebody for shooting something illegal. If you're happy with it, by all means, gas yeah. that thing, bust him. And, you know what I what I want to shoot and what you want to shoot is it irrelevant. You know if you're happy with it, blast it. I don't care. You know in that place in particular, would I have shot it? No, but I had a lot of time spent and I was invested into one yeah. deer. You know per se. I would say that um, like that one that I had shot. I mean, you had yeah. passed him prior, hadn't you? Or no, but I I never tried to kill him. I had him on yeah. camera a lot. You know, that if I if I had wanted to try to kill that deer, I I'm not gonna say. I mean, you never know if he would have walked, yeah. but I had him at times daylighting regularly. Yeah, I would say that that thing was a stud to me. I mean, yeah, and, and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But I and that guy was super happy, and by all means, I'm happy for him because the deer, but the deer he shot, I wouldn't have shot. But maybe he didn't have the time to hunt, or you know, or maybe that was the biggest deer he's ever killed and you know i'm happy for him you know but i wasn't unhappy that i seen he attacked out and he was yeah. out of my way you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm that guy though i mean i i don't well hunt for different reasons and I'm, a, I'm very much the meat hunter oh and i love hunting i hunt all the time but i hunt a whole bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. so i'd have been that guy like oh, i'm here in public land that one's legal boom because yeah. I, I don't collect the horns i don't you know but and and yeah. i and i would say i'm by a by large you know i don't really sit out that one was kind of an anomaly to spend that much time hunting that one deer um but i just i don't know he had gotten under my skin but i agree you know i i love to just shoot deer i don't care that they're all big ones yeah well, so you're i mean and you're i've seen some flack come I mean, you, you see it every year uh from people that run dogs mm-hmm. right you still run dogs oh yeah killed a damn nice one in front of the dogs here recently too yeah i did i killed a i killed a big one uh, a couple weeks ago i killed a nice one last weekend too ahead of the dogs i killed a couple this year one two yeah. three four five and and for some reason people associate dog hunting with yeah they they do i mean dog hunting gets a bad rap anyways you know people just look down upon it like it's just some old thing but i can tell you it's so much harder than what people give it credit for um any anybody that's ever been would respect it a lot more if you ever had to go do it and be successful at it. I can tell you right now, if you if you took the crew, you know, just for example, the crew of guys that I normally hunt with here, you take those same, you know, ten or twelve guys and you put them in the woods still hunting, and it's carnage. Like them <laughs> dudes can get them killed still hunting. Like you you would rather have them dog hunting because you know people people think you kill them all, but you take ten or twelve guys and we're hunting for one deer now. Right, like we're all as a group trying to kill this one. Well, when we're all still hunting, we're fifteen different guys hunting in fifteen different places for fifteen right. bucks. You know, odds are one of us is going to see one today, but maybe two, maybe three, and um, you can kill a whole lot more deer still hunting than you ever can dog hunting. But dog hunting is different because it's a, you know, to me, you appreciate things different as you grow. You know, from when you're a kid to different things, and to me, it's more of the camaraderie, you know, thing. You get everybody out there together. Everybody's having a good time. And, you know, I really, you know, I like that dog hunting, everybody's happy for somebody that kills one. Um, and I think that's changed a lot in hunting in general because, and, it, and it's due to trail cameras and people 
trophy hunting and I'm not saying I don't hunt big ones. So I'm throwing stones in a glass house that I know I like to go run trail cameras and you find one, but you get the thing where somebody gets a couple pictures of it and they think it's theirs. They see somebody kills it and then they get, you know, their feelings hurt right. and all this thing. And in dog hunting, you don't, you don't have that for the most part. You know, everybody, one person kills it. Everybody's around there. High fives, congrats, you know, the whole deal. And, and I think hunting misses that nowadays, you know, on a lot of fronts, not everywhere, but you know, I think it could use it more. I gained a whole new respect. And if I've said this once, I've said it a thousand times for dog hunting. Uh, when we hunt, we, we still hunted a lease in Southeast Georgia that literally on every side, except for the highway, mm-hmm. we had a dog club, a 10,000 acre dog club around us. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a camper in their camp because they had power and water and they were, they let us lease a camp spot out of their camp. Yeah. So we go there, we eat dinner with them every night. Yep. We sit there, we take the shit they give us, we give them shit back, you yep. know, still hunting versus dog hunting. But uh-huh. when it, when it came down to it, when the dogs turn towards our property yep. on the radio, they're they're calling Reedy Branch, Reedy Branch Hunt Club, the dogs are coming your way, get ready, they're running whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, half a dozen times I've said on this podcast, dog hunters, whether they're deer dogs, bird dogs, duck dogs, I find that most of them are more about the dog than they are the hunt. Yep. I love, I'm allergic to them, but my, we were out, <clears throat> I was out with my buddy Brian Irish. And, was it Tuesday? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he, <clears throat> he called me up late and he's like, I was wore out too. He's like, you want to go quail hunting? I, was like, I never say no. <laughs> right? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But same thing, you know. He is so into Murphy and so into Jaeger. Mm-hmm. Though I, this is the first time we went out, man. He outshot me. He shot three birds. I shot two. But it's for him. It's it's way more about you're, the dog. But you're talking yep. about a guy who got into hunting because, because he dog. bought a hunting dog. But yep. uh, we go at Briar and, yeah. and, and like when Liberty's there, he's way more into Liberty as a damn ducks. I love hunting with Briar. You don't care about the ducks. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I would agree with that 100%. There's a lot of guys that are way more care about the dogs and, you know, taking care of them and seeing well, too, them run and seeing them do what they're supposed to do and the whole deal. Watching those guys hunt on that lease, that 10,000-acre lease, it wasn't like, hey, man, the first deer that steps out and you shoot it. Dude, they were fining guys for shooting button bucks. Yep. You're you're getting a dang – it was like a $400 fine for shooting a button buck. Mm-hmm. K, KT used to be on that club that mm-hmm. – what was the name of that club? Um, was that Tibbet Creek? Yeah, yeah, Tibbet Creek. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there were some good bucks around there. Oh, dude, they killed a thirteen point. They one killed year. that one, not that. Yeah, that, that was a nice straight point. stud, son. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters, we all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis Multi-State Law Practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, 
Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamas.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N-V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices Florida and South Carolina. So I want to back up a little bit. You You hunt... We talked about you hunt a lot of cameras. You use them as, as great tools. Um, and I know you hunted a bunch of different areas. So how how many cameras are you running overall? And then how many do you use, say, if you're, once you get serious about tracking a certain buck in a certain management area? They, um, I got 35 cameras that I keep around here. I've got a couple more that are on a club that we've got in Georgia. But I've got 35 that I use here on my day-to-day stuff. Um not often are they all very, I don't know that I've ever had them all on one place for the most part. Um, we just hunt so many different management areas and, you know, hop around and different stuff. Um, I've had, you know, 25 or more on one place before trying to figure out something that I was trying to learn or ramping up to a hunt. Um, but a lot of times they're scattered. You know, I'll have some at this place that we're fixing to hunt and then I've already got some set at the next hunt, you know, whatever next muzzle or gun hunt is that we're headed to. Um, I'll already have at least, you know, a handful over there kind of getting some kind of idea of what's going on. And then when one hunts over, I'll start, I'll pull them and shift them to the next one and target that and then move some to the next place we're going. Um, but we, we run a bunch of them. Well, so what do you think? Cause I, I imagine there's some of this and this is, Oh my God, guys got 35 cameras, get three grand cameras. Out of that. And it's like, well, you know, don't hate the player, but I also imagine that you probably didn't start out with 35 cameras. Oh, no. It's it's one of those things that they keep, you know, you keep accumulating one here, two there. Um, honestly, I don't ever buy any of them at full price. You know, I don't I don't have a single right. camera in my fleet. You know, I, I wait. And when you see a good deal, you know, they'll have this or a BOGO or something like this or a coupon code. And, you know, I've, a bunch of the cameras I've got, they had a a deal where you know you could combine coupon codes and i picked them up they were like 42 dollars a piece you know when i bought them so i mean you can afford some of them when they're 40 bucks a piece are they all cell cameras all of them (laughs) that's that's not your cell phone bill (laughs) the the plan package is where it adds up the the plan package is it it does add up but at the same time if you if you take that many as many places as i'm going and hunting and different things and that's by my choice you know, the cameras that I run, they're $5 a piece. You know, that gets you 600 pictures. The places I'm hunting, you don't get 600 pictures in a month. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so I run them all on $5 a month plans, you know, so it's, you know, whatever, 150 bucks a month or something during the season while I've got them all activated. Um, but if I had to go back and drive around and check all these cameras, you know, with gas prices and, oh, yeah. you know, these you management couldn't. areas are a lot of times, you know, they're over an hour to two, three hours from my house, you know, where these places are. So if I had to take time and go check all these cameras, it's costing me more than $150 a month for six months. Um, and I'm getting Intel, you know, right away. And then that way, when I go in and scout, like back when we ran regular cameras, you know, you'd have to go in and you'd check a camera and it'd have like some pictures and you're like, well, is the, is the next spot going to be better? Or is this, is this good? Do you pull this camera or not? 
Now when I get time to go back and scout, I already have a list. I'm like, all right, I'm pulling this one, this one, this one. These got to go because these ones are doing better and I need to shift something. You know, and you have that intel already rather than having to get there and try and figure it out as you go, you know, pulling cameras. And to me, that makes it worth it. You know, $5 a month. I've wasted more on less. Oh, yeah. No, no <laughs> doubt. Well, that's kind of where I'm going is you know, it's we, we talked a little bit about guys on Facebook that sometimes are or, or whatever social media or even sometimes fit to your face. You know, why would you do this or why would you do that? Or, or blasting a guy because you know, he shot a six point deer. Mm-hmm. Um but then, you know, if you if you paying attention, to it, you realize it's it's every everybody tells you how bad it is. Everybody tells you it's so hard, and yet there's a certain there's a certain group of guys. Every year they're pulling off. I'm talking public land dudes too. I mean, sure, some of it's private, but there's always these number of guys that just never seem to have a shortage of wild game. Mm-hmm. So it can't be that hard, you know. In duck world, I found that it's pretty easy. If you want to have the good spots. The trade-off is called sleep. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. You just got to get there first. Yep. In your case, it's cameras, right? And, man, those cameras didn't hang themselves. You got no. a lot of boot work just to get them up there. The, the the friends of mine, I feel like, that are successful, you know, the most all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's sometimes there's just pure luck, you know. I've, I've done it. I've seen buddies of mine do it. I mean, I've literally walked in somewhere and wide, you know, just picked a spot, climbed a tree, never been there, and killed a deer. It happens sometimes, not all the time. Um, and you know, like I said earlier, th- there's no, no amount of cameras. You could take all the cameras, throw them in the trash. In my opinion, you're still going to get deer killed by a lot of the same people that are willing to go out there and do that extra walking. You know, the people you see in the management area in July are the ones you see killing stuff. So for the guys, I'm sorry to step on you, Jordan. For no, the guys right. that, um, that listen to this and going, Oh, I think I'm gonna start buying some cameras. Help them out a little bit with, you know, when your radar starts going off, like, I think I'm going to put one here, what kind of things tend to trigger that? Honestly, it can be a total variety of things. A total variety of things. You know, you kind of got a feel for where you're at. You know, what, what management area you're on, what you think. You know, how you think the deer are going to move, shift. You know, you whether you're putting them on trails, scrapes. I mean, scrapes are a great thing to put cameras on. You know, you get a good inventory of what deer are usually around, what bucks are around. Um, a, I would say a lot of times you're probably not going to kill the bucks there. Um, a vast majority of the time, but you can at least know they're around, you know, to see what's there. And then a lot of times you may find a spot where there's some bucks that you want to hunt. And then you can go back and kind of look around there to find places where you can probably kill them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I would say. It, it varies. And I know that doesn't give a definitive answer at all, but you got to think. No, about but it like gives these, them a place to start. And yeah. then you also, if you picked that up earlier, you're, you don't just hang cameras, leave them static. Right. There are some cameras that start to produce more others, others that don't. Mm-hmm. So you pull the cameras that aren't and you, I assume start putting them around the ones that are already a little bit more productive. Sometimes. And then you start to get some patterns down. Exactly. You start okay. to winnow and sift and get that area. Yeah. And it, and it just varies what you're getting, you know, what your intel's telling you, yeah. you know, from things. You know, there was cameras that, you know, for example, that buck I just killed that I hung in July that I never moved till he was dead. They were, you know, I left them there. They get just enough. They were providing some type of information. And, you know, there's something to be said that a camera that's even not getting something is telling you something. You know, but <laughs> yeah. you got you to gotta take that information with everything. You know, you put this up here for this reason. It's getting no pictures. Well, maybe that's not playing as big a piece of the puzzle as you thought. You know, take that out. And okay, 
shift over to something else. Um, so you got to take all of that into account when you're running cameras like that. I've had some cameras that have turned me on to some mean squirrel hunting spots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that kind of leads me into something that like, I was just surfing the WMA finder the other day and I texted Alan and asked him about this specific WMA that I had found that I didn't realize was as close as it was. I was like, you've ever hunted here. And he was like, nah, he's like, I've heard about it. Just never specifically hunted there. I said, I think I'm going to go there during small game season. And I mean, that that's, that's small game season is an excuse to put boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's still cold. Yeah, so the weather's nice. Yeah. So, so deer still have antlers, mm-hmm. right? Deer are still active at that time of year, but you also get to go there and, and if you want to harvest squirrels, rabbits, whatever you want, but it gives you a time to start looking over a specific WMA. Oh, for sure. And, and I go tons that time of year myself, you know, places that I've hunted in the past, or a lot of times it's WMAs that I haven't hunted that I've, you know, have some type of interest in hunting. It's just a good time of year to go walking. You know, it's not hot. You can walk around. You can normally still see the sign from last year, you know, to kind of give you some preliminary ideas, drop some pins on stuff that you think might play if you ever come back. Um, you can find deadheads that are, you know, bucks people shot from the year before. I've probably found in the last couple of years, five, six deadheads. Um, walking that time of year that were deer, various things that, you know, think might have killed them. But anyways, um, you walk a lot and some places I never go back to. You know, some places I go drop some pins. I'm like, yeah, maybe if I draw a permanent, you know, it's not really doesn't. I got thousands, nah, not thousands. I got a lot of the, if I showed you my Google Maps, I got pins all over it. And yeah. sometimes I'm looking, what's that pit? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, man. You know, yeah, just all kinds of stuff. You okay. do, but you can learn a lot. And and it's also you can, in some management areas, depending on how they are, you know, some management areas you can get a drive permit for, you know, all year round. So you can go in and access it easily. Um, but some of these management areas you can't get in unless there's a hunt. So if there's a small game hunt going on, you can get in, check in, you can drive in. You can get access to be able to get around the place. Versus the rest of the year, you have no access. It's walking or biking or whatnot. So it makes it nice to be able to get in there and kind of cruise around, make a day of it and whatnot. But there's a there's a lot to be learned that time of year at a nice weather time to walk around. So I think one hunt, you said bikes. <laughs> and I know we've talked about this, but one hunt that I know you've been on that we're hoping to get on soon. Mm-hmm. And I think you are too, again, because you have yeah. a, a set amount of pressure points is the sandbar hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. You've been, been on there. that hunt. Yeah. I've been, I've been on the Island three times, sandbar hunt twice, seen one once. <clears throat> and, uh, it was, what? it was kind of crazy. I didn't get a shot on him. Um, I was sitting there and he was probably a little too far. He's probably 200 yards. And um, there were some palmettos, and he was walking. I mean, those sandbar, they relate to those marshes. I mean, everybody knows it. You know, they, they relate to some degree of those marshes. And I was sitting watching one, and but there was a big palmetto point that ran out in this particular one that kind of stuck out. And I just looked over, and it was like 200 yards away. And I looked, and you know, you're like, you see something. And I was like, right. what is that? Like, I can't. There wasn't like a deer standing there. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I picked my uh, binoculars up and looked, and he was on the back side on the next marsh over. And all it was was his rack sticking up above the palmettos walking by. 
and I just watched it walk by. That's a big deer. So I mean, out of your life, tall palmettos. Oh, you're talking a three hundred pound. Yeah, the palmettos are like up higher on the high spot with the thing, and then he's walking in the marsh on the backside. So, you know, they the palmettos weren't really that tall, and I you know sat there rest day. You can only hunt till three o'clock on the island. Oh, really? Yeah. When on the sandbar hunt, you can only hunt till three o'clock because they're so hard to get out. They don't want you to shoot one at dark. Well, I thought it was more the fact that they were mostly nocturnal in the marsh and they want to keep you from shooting all the dang sandbar on the island. Yeah. No, they, they told us it was just so it, they're big. And, yeah. you know, oh, there's, yeah. no, there's no easy way to get them off. You got to gut them and you better hope you have some buddies or if you fell close to a road they can drive to because <laughs> they're big. We've yeah. we seen one somebody had killed and they're impressive. Oh, yeah. They are they are the third largest cervid species, second to elk and moose. Yeah, yeah. Get that hunt, bring it, come along. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not a bad drag, idea. Drag out. It's yeah. a cool place for sure. Like it, it, it's it's a lot different than anywhere else. Um, I would say there's a good deer population out there though. Yeah, yeah. man. Bring, you have a bring whole bunch your of hogs. Bring your fishing rigs, man. Can't shoot any coyotes fish. out there though. Well, because really? the red wolves. Yeah, there's yeah. red wolves. Oh, oh, red wolves on there. They look like them. You look back at the old days, man. The stats that that island used to be just overrun with pigs, but they pretty much they wiped them. them off now. Yeah, we went the first time we went. We went on the deer hunt, the primitive weapons deer hunt, <clears throat> and it was really good. We had a great success. Everybody was with us killed something, but um, the hogs they would kill out there. They said it was something to do with like the salt water, the calcium, the seashells, or whatever. Them things had some massive teeth on them. Like the sows would have these big, massive teeth on them. Everything yeah. had big teeth on them. I was like, this, man, is, this is impressive. This is Saint Vincent's Island. Yep, in yeah. Florida. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool place. Well, Saint so that's one thing. Saint you, I, uh, for some reason, I'd always discounted that whitetail hunt. Yep. No, no. There's a lot of them out there. Tons of them. I, I would say, my opinion. Every every time we ever went, we seen piles. Yeah, of deer. like you said, it's it's a ride back to the. It's a ride back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's a it's a ride it, it's a lot i mean because you got to involve a boat you got to get out there to the island you got to go you can camp you know if you want to camp and stuff i've never stayed on the island personally wasn't my thing but um, a lot of people do and um but it, it, it's a fun hunt for sure Let's so you said you take your own boat and go back and forth or you had yeah. a charter to take you every day oh no we took our own boat went back and forth every day Whew. You stay in the pass, so we'd stay on the mainland. We took a little jumbo with twenty five on it. That's if you stay in Indian Pass, yeah. or you, yeah, we were yeah. staying. We were in a VR one time. We were in a VRBO. We stayed at Indian Pass before too. I love that area. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. So it, what he was saying I was they, they would take a, it. Yeah, they would take a small John boat and bring PVC, and then roll the John boat as far up on shore as they could. Yeah, we'd roll it up where the water couldn't get it. You'd take some like three inch pieces of pvc we bring like four or five of them throw them up on front start pushing it you just push it right up the beach where it was all the way up where the water wouldn't get it throw the anchor out up there and then when you get back in the afternoon it didn't matter where the tide was you just pick the back of the boat up stick a pipe under it and push it right back all the way into the water it's hmm. a great idea because you know, hear about guys throwing anchors out there and things go sideways and next thing you know they take some water boat. over the back and it's done yeah. yeah it's much easier if you just set it up <clears> on the top of the beach and when you get back you shove it back in the water and Great idea. What time are you getting up in the morning to go out there? I mean, it's not bad. It's no different than anywhere else. I mean, you get out there on your bike, and I mean, depends how far you want to ride. Yeah. I mean, the island's probably, what, eight miles long? Yeah. I mean, so, when you e-biking that, or regular biking? I mean, I have an e-bike now. At that time, we were biking. That's miserable. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was saying e-bike's game changer on that island, I think. It is. I was going to say, that's that's what you said. That's a ride back. You said he had shot a doe. Oh, yeah. Just because well, it get, was a ride back. That, that's it. When you get a ride back in the truck, they come. They make like a hot lap. Like They, they have a map that shows you where they're going to pick them up. So if you get something killed and get it gutted and drug out to that road, they drive by at certain times. If they load it up, you get a ride out. Like, I done biked my ass all the way back in there, and Doe walked out. I'm like, I'm getting a ride out. I ain't driving this bike no more. Like, she was a meal ticket out of that place. Like, Don't leave anything behind you. you know. My understanding is, you. Uh, it, last time I looked at the regulations, like, you could shoot a raccoon and uh, get there a ride people, back. There yeah. was people blasting. You have a raccoon, they're just standing out there by the road, jumping in the thing. Uh, like, I don't fault you. I ain't knocking it. Yeah. <laughs> you had that same bike ride I did. Idiot. Uh, but, yeah. So is are you are you having to park your boat at a specific <laughs> point on the island and biking yeah. from there? Yeah, you got there's two entrances where you can come and go. Uh, the one's Indian Pass and I think the other one the West Pass. Yeah, something. other you ones over towards there. Appalachia. Yeah, and um, we always came and went through Indian Pass the times that I've been there. Where's yeah. the main camp at West Pass? There's one. There's a camp at both sides. <laughs> I, I I've always wondered how much they come off the island because from Indian Pass to the mainland, like I don't. It's I know not you've that kind far. Of, you can it's, see it. it's right there. I mean, it's 200 yards. You yeah. would. I wouldn't want to swim it though. I wouldn't, but it's hard to believe one hasn't. You know, oh no, no, no I'm talking about me personally. Oh yeah, because I, I fish out there, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of toothy shit in that in that. For sure. Pass. Yeah. But you were just it's, thinking it all is the hard years to believe a couple that there, would not that, like, swim off the yeah, island. There's yeah. not been any sandbar deer that have not ended up on the mainland. On the mainland. Guy, they, they do, but they don't make it very far because of vehicle traffic. And it's not like it's... I mean, I know I'd torture it if I seen it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go for an insurance check. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd definitely get that thing. So but, We're talking to an insurance guy. So the, one guy <laughs> the one guy that I know that killed one, he did... Uh, Killed himself, you know, trying to hunt, and on the last, like the last hour, the last day, whatever, he's walking out, and they're, they're heading heading to the boat to the beach, and they they get in the boat, they start heading out, like sandbar, yeah. <laughs> like, like wham from the boat, you know. <laughs> one of, one so. of the guys with us had a sandbar, seen one, and it was like a you know a half grown, you know, didn't have a rack on it, but it was half grown or whatnot. He's like, oh, it was too small. I'm like, I busted that thing. Like, nobody's like business. Yeah. Like, you're sandbar hunting. Like, these things are not just, like, prevalently running around like a bird in the hand beats two in the bush out here, guys. Yeah. I'll happily put a yeah. shoulder mount of a spike yeah. on the wall. Like, no doubt. <laughs> you're talking. A, it's brown as now. 100, yeah. 120 guys, 100 to 120 people out there hunting, and they kill two. Yeah, two or three. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Don't come by me. Like I think the best <laughs> year. <laughs> If you look at the numbers, the best year was 2011. I think they killed like 15. Yeah, mm. they're they're out there. It's it's impressive. But they also go, had almost 200 people hunting out there that year. You you go see the sign that's out there. Like they leave. Do they rub and stuff? Oh too? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Rub. They don't really make scrapes that I really remember. Nothing that I you know recall. But rubs like literally pine trees the size that you would climb. Like <laughs> unbelievable! <laughs> I swear to you, like pine trees this big, rubbed like You're talking like they girdle them. Yeah. yeah, do what? Pretty much girdle them. Girdle. I don't know. Rub the bark all the way. Oh yeah, all the way around. Oh yeah, I'm telling you, like serious. They're after him. <laughs> talk about talk about hunting a rub. You just he rubbed here, climbing that tree. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can climb trees way smaller than things rub. I swear wow. to you, I got some pictures, some old pictures of it. 
it's it's unbelievable. And their tracks, I mean, it looks like cows walking around out there. Oh yeah, that's how big their tracks are and stuff. They're they're huge, yeah. huge. They're they're really cool deer. I I wish I would have gotten to see one like up close where I could like you know, shoot it, have shot it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't work out. I haven't given up one day. Have you? You still putting in for it? Yeah. So the hunt used to be later. When we went on the hunt before, it was like this coming weekend. It was like first weekend in December. Mm. And um, the couple of times we went, that works really good for my schedule, you know, for the hunts and things that I do. They moved the hunt up now. You know, it's earlier in November. It's a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. And um, we've kind of had scheduling conflicts, you know, so we've been applying but purposely not drawing um, in the in the draw just to keep building our points to the point where when we're, when it lines up for our schedule that, you know, the group of us that are planning to go can go, we'll be able to draw the first we, time. We got a group, uh, we'll be on five preference points next year. So, yep, that's what we have to, we might uh, get lucky. Uh, might just have to get together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It, it really just depends when they have the hunt because we get so many different hunts, um, going on in places that we go that like, if they would move the hunt back, that would be great for me. Right. Um, but if they don't, it just conflicts with so many other things. Like so, we've kind of had a trip for the last five years that we go. I'm on canceling the same thing. birthdays. I'm canceling weddings. I'm canceling. I'm going sandbar hunting. <laughs> you know, if they really wanted to make a challenge, they should do it in July. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd have to be one hard motherfucker June. to sit out there in July. July. Yeah. Anyway, oh god, hot and mosquito oh Sand my fleas. god, you you ain't got thermocells to solve those problems, man. <laughs> So, yeah. do, do you know, like, have you honed in on, like, what time of year they rut, or? No clue. No? No clue. We just went on the hunts and winged it more than anything. You know, <laughs> you, can't, there, you can't really scout that. Say, is there yeah, a way well, to I mean, you, you get up and scout it? You, you can go out there. I mean, I think you can access the island anytime you want to, you know, during daylight hours yeah. or something beforehand. Yeah, but you got to hike it, yeah. But you got to hike it, or you got to ride a bike, and, you know, at the time, e-bikes weren't a thing. You know, and when we had the hunt, and it's just time consuming. It's not close to the house, and we always had you know other things going on. And it was one of those things like, oh, with good intentions, we're going to go scout this year. And then, you know, Thursday before the hunt started, we loaded our bikes in the boat and went up there. And we're like, all right, here we go. Let's see what we can find. <laughs> well, the thing is, you go up there. I'm going to scout. And then before we go out there, we're we're going to fish in the morning. The bites on. Yeah. And then you never make it to the island because yeah. the bites on. Well, that's the cool thing, too, when the hunt's going on, though. Like, the redfish bite up, they're supposed to be, like, off the chain at that time. And a lot of guys would, like, go out there and they would hunt. You're going out to three. You know, it's not dark for a few more hours. They'd come back and fish all afternoon. Yeah. And go out there redfishing and do stuff. We didn't do that. But some people did. That was each their own. Yeah, you can't miss right up. I'm, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, but it ain't that hard. I mean, that you, can get, you can get on the trout bite. You can get on the redfish bite. You know. If you know anything about redfish, you, you that's the area you ain't got to look too hard to live in. Yeah, that's a very nice area. If I was going to move somewhere, I would move up in that area. If it yeah. was me, it's just there's it's just step back in time when you get back up oh, there compared to here. Yeah, you know, there's no, I've always hunting said, options are limitless. Fishing's fantastic. You know, should have been there twenty years ago, man. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> I've always said it's it's insane to me how you can go like in the flats where you're fishing. There's pine trees. Mm-hmm. Cross the road, mm-hmm. hunting woods. Yep. For sure. Like, you can't beat that. No. If I was going to move somewhere, that's where I'd move. For sure. Oh, it's like, well, I see the same thing when we drive to our lease in Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my son the whole time is like, are we in Alabama yet? This, this, we just drove up after Thanksgiving. We left at like 4.30 in the morning. 
So it was daylight when we got there. He's like, we're in Alabama now, right? I'm like, no, dude. I know this looks like where we hunt. This is still Florida. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you drive Florida a long ways when you go over and turn yeah. west. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is when you're going to our lease in Alabama, the way we go, you cross the Alabama line, 20 minutes later, you're, in, you're at the hunting camp. Yep. yep. Like, we're not that far across the Alabama line, the yep. way we go through there. Yep. Now, that area, man, is genuine. I mean, especially if scallop season's open, you got the scallops and then just scallops, pen shells, conch. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, if you really want to get out, you can't really do oysters anymore, but um, crabs. Oh, it's a sport. And then and you got the fishing. There. And that's that's before you throw in bush hook and freshwater catfish out in some <laughs> yeah. of the creeks. Right. And then, of course, there's ducks, deer, turkeys, squirrels. All the should do. Hopefully soon, bears. Yeah. I mean, they're just, it's, and that's. That's, another, that's all the, within the same 15-minute drive. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the the guy that you had talked about earlier that gave you your tag bags, yeah. uh, he's, he's, they're working hard on a bear hunt. Hopefully so. Yeah. So I got a recipe I want to share. You know, it's not too too difficult, man, but I'm working on it for especially guys that, if you're wondering what to do with your small game or other things that sometimes you're just not sure what to do, let's face it, you shoot a bunch of squirrels, and after a while you're like, I'm tired of thinking around with dumplings and crap like that, but just throw them in the slow cooker, break them all down until you just got the meat. And uh, So you say slow cooker, you mean like crock rock pot? Yeah, crock pot, yeah. whatever it takes to break down the meat and get all the bones out. And you can do this with like a front, I just did it with a whole uh, deer shoulder, like the whole front deer shoulder broke, broke it down. But it was the easiest thing in the world, man. I took about 12, not a whole box, but 12 ounces of, of, of uh, and I can't remember the damn pasta thing. Little pasta tubes. Yeah. Whatever those are. But through the took some zucchini and ground it up. Took a shallot, run it through the grater, chopped up some about two cloves of garlic. And that was it, man. Got that going. Um Did you put in that like a, a beef stock or I'm actually it's a great yeah, it's a great guess, man. Yeah. So then since the, the meat was already cooked up, right, threw that in there, and then I took some uh, better than bullion. Because I wanted to be heavier, and I didn't want to wait and wait, 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 and yeah. wait for it to cook down. Better than bullion, half cup, no, full cup of the pasta water, because it got a little thick, thickener to it. Man, probably two tablespoons of heaping tablespoons of um, the tomato paste, salt, pepper, just let that go, and then I took about half a block of cream cheese, cut that up, and just got it all combined. Threw it in the dish. At this point, man, I didn't even taste it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I threw a little red pepper and some Italian seasonings in there, too. Hadn't even tasted it, right? I was just kind of winging it, man. Threw that in a bowl with a little, little Parmesan on it. Holy moly. Like, I can't tell I, I know it was one thing of zucchini. It was one whole shallot, two cloves of garlic, maybe two teaspoons of Italian seasonings, a couple shakes of red pepper, Couple grinders of salt and pepper, that was it. And then so, a tablespoon of the better than bullion, or yeah, full heaping tablespoon of the better than bullion with some some pasta water. Are you doing it. all that before you let your your meat set, or you're throwing your meat in the slow cooker? No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. The meat meat was already cooked. So I I broke that shoulder down um, last week sometime, like late last week. Just so what are you breaking it down in though? Like oh, in broth. your crock pot broth. 
Yeah, but okay. you can do water in a bullion cube. But, you know, no, nothing else. I mean, just to your shoulder, covered it in broth, walked away, came back. I started, I did it overnight. So I probably yeah. sat there and eight slow hours or so. Yeah, at least yeah. eight, 12. So it just, you know, you, the, the scapula just <laughs> comes right out of one yeah. big chunk and, you know, shredded it up. But like I said, you, it would be ideal with small game. It would be ideal with burger. It was shocking, man. Just zucchini. I mean, I suppose if you want a shallot, you could probably do a little red onion and garlic. That was the vegetable base. It's not a whole ton of it. Not a whole, like, big, messy. Oh, I did take the moisture out of the uh, zucchini. Put that in a towel and then twisted it up real good so all the extra moisture came out. Um, But, man, I was I was genuinely surprised. <laughs> I was, I, a lot of times I start messing around with another with another. Like I'll, I'll look at something that you might make with beef or whatnot, and I just had I just had this crap in my refrigerator and just started going down, and it turned out to be one of the best pasta meals I've ever had. So anyway, so kind so, of followed all that. It was really I, I easy. Question on top of that: Did you actually try the chicken fried egg today? <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I saw that. I was like, ooh. But you know, thing. you know, taking that chicken fried egg and slapping that sucker on the on the half moon sandwich, like that mm. would add add that extra <laughs> to it. You know, yeah, just cut so, the crunch. For Alan, if you've never heard, our half moon sandwiches, we take uh, like a flat top, and we'll fry bacon on it. You can do it in a skillet too. Yeah, you can do it in a skillet too. It's it's a lot easier on a, uh, anything flat that top. hold will hold your bacon grease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you fry your bacon on it, and then you take honey buns and you fry your honey buns in the bacon grease, and then you take <laughs> eggs and you do them over easy, and then you take your bacon, your egg, and then you put cheese on there in between two fried honey buns that have been in bacon grease. So you got a bacon, egg, and cheese with honey bun. on top of two fried honey buns. One of them will fill you it up. Is, yeah. yeah, it is a one big bowl. You can it eat. sounds delightful. Listen, when I hear that, man, the, the headline on that egg video you posted was like, "People eat like they got free health care." I'm listening to bacon grease and honey buns. Like, oh my god, I can't believe we eat that shit. He, like, he was he was cooking that up, frying that egg in in probably like vegetable. I'm, like, I'm looking at that like, hey, maybe that could be beef tallow. But that thing, like, you can literally, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or people are like, I don't like sweets. And they eat it, and they're like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Or you think, like, man, this is good. I I can eat more than one of these. You finish your one, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. My arteries coffee. are clogged. <laughs> I'm done. Again, I'll reference Brent Reeves again. And we said, well, you can only eat half. And he said, half's for quitters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I guess technically you could do a couple eggs and put a couple of them on a plate. Do a couple eggs and a little bacon on top with some cheese, and just do it open face if you really wanted to. But that that's not as good. The fried think. honey bun is what really seals it off in the bacon you, grease. Well, you do two of them, right? You put two honey buns down, and then you lay. He's just talking about eating with eggs. a fork. Yeah, yeah. That's the only difference. Well, then you don't get that slimy stuff on you. Now we got the chicken fried egg. You, know, you can make the keto version of it instead of using the honey buns. I mean, just just put your all your other goodies, no, including in between a, including a non chicken fried egg. Use your chicken fried eggs as a, as as the as sandwich. The base. Is the I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd give it a shot, <laughs> right? 
I'd give it a shot. We we got a whole new sandwich out of chicken fried eggs. Of course, I uh, on the same end when he chicken fried that egg, I'm like, I wonder if I could chicken fry a honey bun. <laughs> of course. That's the first thought that came to mind. The thing that he really could. got me about it is he took the whole egg and just dropped it right in the oil. Like and it, it held together. So I guess that oil couldn't have been too ripping. Man, I don't know, but then but he, and he scooped it out and he and the whole egg. I say we just take the whole thing, okay? We we cook it all up and then put it on a little dip it in pancake batter and then throw yeah, her back in the grease. Yeah. <laughs> that's not chicken fried, but man. No, that's, that's that's like a funnel cake. That's well, like a shit. Funnel cake. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're gonna do that, man, throw some chocolate chips or whatever inside the pancake <laughs> exactly. batter. Now we're really yeah. rolling. Well, I, you know, but I look at that dude because he's this guy from Texas. He's you know, the guy with the zippy zap sauce, right? And whenever I'm be- bebopping through and that guy's on there, I stop. But he's got an every arm brace single, full of hot sauce. <laughs> right? Yeah. But every single meal that guy makes, with the exception of the chicken fried egg, has gravy. So I'm sure you could throw some gravy <laughs> on a chicken fried egg, right? But you know, he's 300 pounds. Like, you, just, you just know you better. He's got a shelf life, man. It is running out quick. I thought when I watched that video, he was wearing an arm brace, and I realized, no, son, that that's a holster for like seven hot sauces on right. his left arm. <laughs> and his wash your sister sauce. Yeah, yeah wash your sister. <laughs> wash your sister sauce. <laughs> well, gentlemen, you got any closing thoughts? Let's wrap this thing up. I just Boots on away. the ground, man. Mm-hmm. You're gonna kill him. That's the hardest. That's the best thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do. Make time, go. Yeah, but that's the best way. I mean, when you've walked, you think you've walked far enough. Walk a little farther. Look a little harder. That that's the resounding statement that's come out of all all these podcasts. Is people keep telling you to spend time in the woods. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't spend too much. No, well, that's always the challenge because people got work. They got kids, they got family obligations. I think that's where a lot of the frustration is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, because I'm getting past a lot of that, um, I mean, I've, I got, I don't give a whole lot of customers on Facebook partially because of this. Because some of the ones that are like, are you retired? You know what I'm <laughs> like? No, because like, I had a guy call me after I posted those quail. He's like, are you not working today? I'm like, I'm on my way back. It's only 930. Yeah. Right, like you know, like, you know, but that's the you know, oh, no. it's having the time to get out there and do all that stuff, and not everybody does, but it'll come. Just stick with it. No. So, I think what people's biggest thing is when they head to Facebook mm-hmm. is they're like, "What can I? If I only have this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, to spend in the woods before I have to go hunt next weekend, what am I looking to find?" Squirrels. Find as much sign as you can. Walk as far as you can. Look as yeah. many places as you can. You know, spend that whole two days. I mean, it's... Dude, if you got to go in blind the first day and then if get you, down in the morning and scout some and sit somewhere else in the afternoon. You, I've done it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can't get there or, or sometimes what you scouted just runs away. You know, right. for lack of a better term, it just... The sign goes away. The deer moves, shift. You know, something changes the feeding patterns or whatever had them coming to where you were planning on hunting, it just changes and you got to keep, you know, somewhat mobile. Sometimes you scrap everything you went and scouted for. I see a thousand times every year on Florida public or public land hunters of Florida, whatever it is. uh, People ask, 
I have pipeline. Where should I hunt? Right? Pipeline. And people are like, oh, dog hunters, dog hunters, dog hunters. Yeah. Dog hunters aren't a bad thing. No, they're not. People, people, I used, I laugh because I see people that are like, oh, if I shoot one in front of somebody's dog, it's going to be bad. I, I can assure you, there's, I know all of those guys up there for the most part. None of them care at all. None of them give a rat's ass if you yeah. shoot the deer in Let front of their dogs. So, the only thing that I've ever seen somebody get mad about is when you get the people where they're like, they shoot the deer, like the dogs are running it, shoot it, the dogs are catching it, and you walk in there like, oh, you got the deer? And they're like, no, it wasn't running it. I'm like, yeah, it was. Give the dogs their credit. Like, they don't right. They don't want your deer. So, so They don't care about it. Just don't lie to them about it and tell them <laughs> it wasn't running it. The dogs are standing there chewing on it. Like, they were obviously running it. Mm-hmm. That deer is sweating. Yes. Here's, <laughs> I, I he, hits, he hits the grounds and his hooves are split already and he's stiff as a board. And you're going to tell me he just waltzed up here? Yeah. You know? I, I just have one question. Yeah. Do dog hunters dump dogs where they know they can't retrieve dogs on the other side. Where they can't. Would you mean like there's private Meaning land? there's the private land or a river or something that's going to prevent you from getting to the other side of where they could run a deer and they I, won't be able to retrieve it. Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, there is blocks that we've hunted that have private land like around them sometimes, you know, but there's ways to, you know, they may have a road on the other side or something. So there is so times if, where if, I've seen If you're looking at a block, the where the only access to that block is one road and the rest of it, it you have a road on one side of the block and the rest of the block is either on the back side of that is everything behind that is public land. Like you would have to have the dogs go in, make a U-turn and come back out to the road you dropped them on. Correct. Do you drop dogs there? Depends. That's a case by case scenario. So, and, and I say that because like you used river, for example. Right. So like at a river, if the guys that I know, which I know lots of guys who go up there and like they hunt off the river in the pipeline unit, They'll have people on boats. Right. So, no, you can't drive a truck there. Is it a one-sided block? Yes, but they got two or three people in boats on that side. You know, so, yeah, they got to come one way or the other, but they're still, you know, manning it. Do dogs ever get put in a block where there is a piece of private land? It happens. I mean, I've ran dogs in blocks that have a piece of private land. I mean, sometimes you get a block that's, you know, 1,500 acres and somebody owns 10 acres on a corner of it and they think they own the whole thing. You're hunting their thing. I'm like, well, there's 1,500 acres of public land here. You know, we're not putting dogs. We don't put dogs ever purposely like on somebody's private right. land. So, so what I'm getting um, at is I, I've told people in the past when it comes to pipeline, hunt the pipeline. You're, look, you're looking at a 1,500-acre block. There's a road, and then there's a maybe a 150-acre block, and then there's nothing but private land on the other side of that. Yep. You're not dumping dogs into that 150-acre block. No. You're dumping them into the 1,500, yeah. and you're trying to catch them before they hit the 150-acre block. Correct. So right. when you're going to hunt the pipeline, if you want to not have to run into people running dogs, maybe hunt the 150 acre block. Well, in, before in, the private land, if if you don't want to deal with dogs and you're really you're willing to drive here, because I mean most people that are posting on there, they're not from around here. You know, they're, right. they're, they're they don't live here. You know, they're posting. They don't have a clue about it. They live in so Fort Lauderdale and picked up pipeline on a redraw. Correct. The only the <laughs> only the only reason they even know pipelines there is because I just saw that today. That's why yeah. I said. that. The, the only reason they even know it's there is because there's an infinite number on them and you can go on there and get it. If it was right. a non-quota like it used to be until, you know, five or six years ago, they would never even realize you could come here and hunt. Right. But if you don't want to deal with dogs and you're willing to drive this far, just drive to Hopkins Prairie or Lake Delancey Unit. It's another no, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. another 10 20 minutes, minutes up the road. Yeah. There's no dog hunting there at all. Go hunt there. No quota, no anything. North of 40? Yep. Basically. Send it. Over from 88, north of 40. You can go up there and still hunt all you want to. No dog hunters, no anything. Open quota. Would you drive 10 more minutes? You drove four hours. What's 10 more minutes if you don't want to deal with dog hunters? Right. You know, yeah. 
the one thing hey, kills I love though, them. There's always I'll run them past me, son. Yeah, I'll <laughs> there take you it. Go get the deer up and moving around. Yeah, I got one. Just this is a general piece of advice for every hunter, but this one's specific to dog hunters because you mentioned it's already because so many people don't understand, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 a little bit more visceral. Yep. And you know uh, what's his name talks about it being the guard the gate issue the bear grease fella um, Clay Newcomb Clay yeah because it's the easy one but you know if they somehow manage to get rid of dog hunting it doesn't mean the people that are opposed to hunting are going to stop there no, no right so we have we have to not. really defend that even if it's not your thing um, and and as Clay says you know archaeological evidence men been hunting dogs fifteen thousand years and it's only in the last fifteen minutes people have a problem with it yeah but anyway my buddy I got a I'm going to use his name I got a friend who lives up there got a private block. You know, and, and this happened years ago, but he brings it up every year. Years ago, guy guy coming to get his dogs, just rolls up in the middle of his yard with his truck and starts running across the yard to get his dogs and stuff. And my, my friend is like, you know, a little courtesy. He's like, hey, yep. you know, like, do me a favor. At least knock on the door and let me know what you're doing, right? Oh, for sure. I'm sure he was probably a little bit like, because it's his place. You got a right to be a little. Yeah, it's like the sure. guy just drove in the middle of his. That's not just a driveway. Mm-hmm. Parks in his yard. <clears throat> and what really sunk it, though, was, you know, the guy was kind of like, I got a right to get my dogs. And, well, yeah, except this is his house. Yeah. Right? You know. And uh, But what sunk it was some bitch kicked his McDonald's trash out the door as he drove away in this guy's yard. Uh, so you can imagine, man, there is no amount of goodwill yeah. that will ever, I can, I've, I talked to him down blue in the face. Yep. As far as and, he's concerned, every guy that ever ran dogs is a son of a bitch. Yeah. Is a one jerk. And, and that's exactly it. You, you see people who's got stories of this, but I mean, if you take a one-off story and, put everybody in that group every we group know. of hunters every yeah, it's, everything it's a one you know, bad apple situation yeah, one one bad yeah. apple i mean there's bad apples in the still hunting world there's bad apples in the duck hunting world there's bad apples in everything you know one but that's not the masses no you we know, know yeah we I know, know you guys this I whole thing you, was like a hey i'm just saying but people people get that vibe you know one person gets a bad vibe and then they want to tell everybody this I'm like it's it's not like that like those people are I would say as a whole more into getting kids i mean kids love dog hunting if you never grew up that i mean for a kid don't get me wrong, you can go sit in a stand, but how long is a kid's attention span sitting yeah. there when there's yeah. nothing going on? You know, you go dog hunting, you can sit there. I mean, I remember as a tiny kid, you're out there playing in the road, doing this. I mean, yeah. there's times the where it gets serious, you know, when you're running something or whatnot, but you don't have to be super quiet. You can get a snack, you can do this, but you're still, you're out there. You're in the woods. Yeah. You're not stuck glued to some, you know, iPad or something like that. You're out there. And, you know, for kids, they love it. I mean, I was that kid one They'd time. They'd ride around in the woods. Oh, see, I remember as a kid, like, my dad dog hunted when we were kids and we were like you know that's back when you used the antenna to find you yeah Um, yeah. and they still yeah they still had the the cages in the forest where if you caught a dog dog yeah and uh but i remember like our go time was like hey it's time to like stop hunting let's catch these dogs my dad's like Get to it, boys. Yeah. Like, these dogs are fixing across the road. Like, you better get out there and catch them. Catch them. Don't grab one. Grab four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and times have changed so much, you know, from I, – I remember when I was a little kid, you know, even before telemetry, like, we would go out there and ride the roads for hours with Dad looking for dog tracks to find the dogs that we didn't have caught already. And then you'd leave a jacket with, like, some dog food or something where you turned them out at, and you'd come back in the morning, they'd be laying there, pick them back up. 
you know, they just had collars on them with your name and your phone number. You didn't have cell phones, so nobody yeah. could get a hold of you there. You had pagers, or yeah, you know. And we would do that, and then we got telemetry, and boy, we were big time then. You know, we could see what we were doing, and <laughs> you know, you could find them. Is is all the money the people dump into these GPS collars, telemetry collars, are still the most expensive collars you can come across these days? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we all run GPSs now, and I mean, to go back, I'd yeah. be like a lost puppy out there, you know, trying. Well, to I mean, something. the the GPS collars, like I said, they're expensive, but they the are. telemetry collars are because. Yeah. There is no bounds in the battery life of the telemetry oh, no, collar. Last it lasts forever. forever. Yeah, a long, long time. Shut them off with a magnet and whatnot. But, you know, kids, as a kid, I, I love it. And it was it was great. I wouldn't change it for anything. And I hope it never goes away. But, you know, it's that out is there. One, I, I would say that's one thing that, like, if you have to say that they're fighting towards shutting down a hunting community, it's going to be dog hunting. For sure. And that's another thing that as, as a hunting community in general mm-hmm. – whether you're a still hunter or a dog hunter, we have to stand together as a hunting community. Correct. Against that. Because it's, to me, it's like dominoes. They get the first piece, they're just going for the next piece. Mm-hmm. It, 100%. It, they're, they're never, they're never going to be satisfied till it's all gone. If we don't stick together, you know, we can agree to disagree on what we prefer to do. But if you let them get, and, and it's the same way, you know, if you let them get one piece, they're going to start to the next one. Yeah. And, and you can't, you can't have that. And, Dog hunting is a it's lot of fun. where it all fun. started, man. It's, it's, it's it. It's old school. It's a lot of fun. If anybody I feel like that has ever went and like participated in a good dog hunt, you know, with good people, you wouldn't be against it. It's know? a blast. It is, yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like anybody that's against dog hunting, it, as a still hunter, if you ever reach out to a dog hunting group and you're like, hey, I want to join you. Yeah. I don't know a single dog hunting group. They'd be like, nah. No, no, you can't come. Easy to get along with people, you know. People, people just give them a bad rap, and you know they make it out like they just shoot everything and just like they slaughter and murder the whole woods. Oh, and, there's a lot of people don't even know because I had this conversation all the time. You'd be shocked the number of people who don't realize you just can't pick up a rifle in June and go out and deer hunt. Yep, they don't I have no idea about the licensure system. Nope, they don't really understand deer seasons. They sure as hell don't understand WMAs. No. Like it is if you for the for the genuine for an awful lot of genuine non hunters non firearm people, it is as much as it, we may as well be talking Mandarin to them. It is they have no idea. Yeah, but it and that's where social media I think can be a bad thing. Sometimes you get these people that have no clue, but they jump on this bandwagon because they see something on Facebook, and you know it gets something starts to get traction over something that they really don't understand the situation. You know, you step back 20 years ago and that wasn't the case. You know, there wasn't that, you know, something that wasn't nothing stayed nothing. And, um, but we have to use that to our advantage. If they're going to use it against us, we have to be smart enough to use it for us to band together, to fight back. And I think that as bad as I hate to say it, they're better at banding together to fight us than we normally are at banding together to fight back. One of the things that we as hunters do a terrible job of, absolutely awful. You're right. We'll say something on Facebook. Got to make a call to your local representative. Mm-hmm. You got to go to the FWC. Nah, man. I mean, you got to go to you got to go to some of your really local ones. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, even when you go, you still get crapped on. Mm-hmm. But Lake Apopka is a perfect example. But we have to go, and we don't. And then we all bemoan about um, 
how bad it is. And I'll use an example. When we were out at Lake Apopka, they just went out and sprayed it again. And there's a fellow out there who's, we're just cleaning up, and he spent 30 minutes bitching and moaning. And I was like, did you go to the FWC meeting that we had out here? And he's like, no, I didn't go, but I had some friends that went. And I said, you part of um, um, Florida Waterfallers? No, but I know some guys that are. And I'm like, you said you don't go to nothing? Yeah. You don't. $35, right? You don't even have a membership. Yeah. But you'll sit here and and piss and moan mm-hmm. for 30 minutes to the point where I'm just, I'm not even interested, man. I'm done sympathizing with you. Yeah. But every time I ask you, like, what are you doing? They don't do anything. Nothing. Yeah. Just pissing and moaning to each other. Won't work. Nope. It, you got to stand up for what you want. You know, at the end of the day, or it's all going to be gone one day. Yep. Briar, what do you got? Man, y'all said it all. That ain't much. I all mean, right. So I'm, I'm going to close this out with a piece of advice for the guy who's still hunting in a dog hunt area. Okay. It's a little more weight, but if you know you're going to go still hunt where they're dog hunting, carry a rifle mm-hmm. and a shotgun. Yeah, you can. Dude, I've, I've done it. Yeah. Okay. Carry, yeah. carry my rifle and my shotgun loaded to the brim mm-hmm. with three and a half inch double up buck. Ready to roll. Ready to rock. And when and this is when I was hunting the private property, so it was a little easier than to walk so far to carry stuff. But they would they'd call on the radio, you know, tell us they're coming, <clears throat> take the rifle out of the window, lean it back, and then grab the shotgun and stand up and wait. <laughs> I'm ready to go, buddy. Yeah, send it's, it on by. I got I got five rounds of three we, and a half inch buckshot that say otherwise, bud. Let's go. We had that one ever, stand. I just brought the thirty thirty. That no. ran in there. Hell no, we didn't kill a damn deer off that lease. They, they ran, <laughs> this is they what ne- would happen. So the deer never actually ran into that lease. No, they did one time, and I was climbing up the tree stand. I I was like just going out of the stand, anyways. And I could hear the dogs coming. I'm like, oh, man, I'm rushing. And I get halfway up the ladder. And I look around the ladder. And I see the deer standing in the middle of the dang cut. <laughs> and I'm like, crap. And then it just takes off. And then five minutes later, here comes the dog. Yeah. I was saying, other than that, any time I had been up there, like, dogs are coming your way. And then dogs hit property line. And the deer runs down the property line. The deer run right down the property line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's It's... It's not as bad as what people make it out to be. No, no not at all. Hunt it, make the best of it. It's man. just a another... lot of hunting is for the. Uh, if you can't enjoy the experience and hunting in general, then you just don't need to be hunting, man. What are you, Look, man, what are you out let, there for? If you're let not me tell you, yeah. you you sit here and you people that complain about dog hunting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I'm going to close this podcast out after this. <laughs> yeah, people that complain about dog hunting, you. It, it's stupid to complain about dog hunting because it's such a small subset of it, hunters. Here's something else, though, that's worth noting. I'm going to tell you now, some of your best still hunters are avid dog hunters because you learn 90? so much about oh, yeah. the woods, as much time as you spend there. Some of the very best still hunters that I know that when gun season gets here, they will not sit in a tree. But in bow and muzzleloader, you better watch out. I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be really generous when I say this. I'm gonna say 95 yep. percent of the public land we have in, have in Florida, you can't run dogs on. No, not at all. So, dude, if you're dogs literally complaining, way less than that. I know that. I mean, way more than that. You can't run dogs. Yeah, on. I, I know what you're saying. Like I said, I'm gonna be generous. Yeah, and 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 say 95 percent. So if you're complaining about the five percent, dude, 
there's 95% the 14 million acres that you could be hunting that they don't run dogs on. Well, what we lost the range in South Florida, so you can run up you can run them up in uh, up in Appalachia, and you the, can run them in. I can only think of really two areas. Florida. Florida's actually pretty liberal with the amount of dog hunting that we have compared to other states. I mean, we, we, we got it. We're gonna have to start a whole other podcast on dog hunting, and we really should. Yeah. Oh yeah. But we, we do have a fair amount of land, but it's yeah. spread out. Yeah, not not near uh, like it is, and let's in, get uh, some of your some of your group in after this and yeah. do a dog hunting podcast. It can probably be done. I'd love to do that. I'll, I'll try and drag uh, Eddie in here. He just killed a buck on the pipeline running dogs. Nice. Yeah. So, all right. We'll catch you guys next Good week. Night. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Sure. Yeah.